because it seemed different than the bigger conventions. Being able to talk to people face to face. Do archery, canoe, kayak. Outdoor basics, getting back to nature. Back to basics. Storytelling class was phenomenal. Classes that feel really intimate. Drawing with EJ, that's been my highlight of the whole day. Sometimes we get caught up in the technical, like how to make this keyframe move, that we forget to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Being a motion designer rather than doing motion design. It really brings out that inner child. I have to go to this, because it's kind of like going back to what I love. A place where you get to be a kid again. This is not crowded whatsoever. There's not as many people. Just get out of your comfort zone. Camping isn't as bad as you think. This is my new go-to event every year. My bunkmate is Paul Bapp, and that, that's, where else do you get that? You're not worried so much about the render times, just having a good time. <laughs> Cut it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a MoGraph live special. This is a fireside reunion from Camp MoGraph. I'm Dave. And I am Matt. And joining us today, we are super excited to have back the three fireside chatters from last year's Camp MoGraph. We're excited to do this reunion. Uh, first up, we've got Barton Damer from Already Been Chewed. Next Go up, on. we've got Aaron Sarofsky of Sarofsky. <laughs> and then Ryan Summers of School of Motion. And also joining us, co-host, Mr. Mark Cernosia. Mark. <clears throat> That's you, Mark. Right, That's your I'll cue. Away. So uh, <laughs> anyone joining tonight that doesn't know what Camograph is, uh, essentially it started last year, and uh, it's unlike any other industry event. It's hands-on. It's unplugged. Zero stress. We hope it's kind of a vacation for you, um, just to get away from the computer, get away from kind of the everyday uh, rigmarole of things. Um, and how often do you get to sit around a campfire with, you know, industry friends? It's uh, not often. So um, at Camp MoGraph, there's really no egos, just like great conversations, meeting new people, establishing new relationships. Um, you know, we have daily workshops and then we have fireside chats and the fireside chats is our version of what you would call a keynote. But yeah. what's different about it is it's small, intimate and more of a town hall style where it's more of a discussion rather than a presentation. And I think what we saw last year was, um, a lot of good discussions came out of those and just being able to access top tier artists like Barton, Aaron and Ryan and learn from other campers around you as well. So, um, you know, we hope that campers will leave camp recharged and refreshed and inspired. Um, and also it's a chance to learn and relax and just disconnect in kind of nature. So, um, Unfortunately, after COVID this year, we, we had to delay it, um, delay the 2020 uh, Camp MoGraph, but we hope you join us next year. So yeah. um, for Camp MoGraph 2020 V2 underscore final <laughs> underscore final. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so instead of having camp this year, we figured that we would just catch up a little bit with 
the fireside chatter some last year and see how things really have changed for them in 2020. <laughs> we were not expecting this at the time. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions. If you want to put a question into the chat, feel free. We're keeping track of them and copying, cutting, and pasting. So we'll try and get to everything that we can here. But uh, to start things out, we got a few questions here, which number one, of course, is going to be the long-term changes because of COVID. Um, um, you know, there's a, quite a bit of, mm. of issues that people have experienced and growing pains, and there's been also some opportunities. So I, mm. I think that the three of you will probably have some great things to say about it and maybe even some differences of opinion. Who knows? So, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll start out with Barton, I guess, and, um, just get kind of a general yeah. rundown of, of how you've been dealing with things. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been <laughs> barely 13 and a half months since Camp Mogra, so <laughs> just like a year. <laughs> pretty mm -hmm. much. Uh, seems like that was about five years ago. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you guys know, we had our big open house schedule for March 20th of this year. It was going to be our 10 year anniversary celebration. Um, and we were also moving into a brand new studio. Um, the timing worked out uh, miraculously well in, in many ways. Uh, it could have been disastrous. Mm -hmm. um, right when basically a declaration of disaster was declared, um, probably what, first, second week of March, mm -hmm. um, we were finishing moving up into our studio space. Um, and uh, had they declared that a week or two sooner, the construction wouldn't have been done. We would have had an empty building sitting there for months. We would have had to been out of our old building. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, where do we put our server at that point? All of our equipment, obviously working from, you know, remote, it's kind of like we could have just gone home, but we rely on our servers and right. <laughs> where do I store my company uh, yeah, while, right. <laughs> while, while we wait for the construction crew to be allowed to come back and finish it. So, Thankfully, it it, uh, it wrapped up just in time. Um, and what's it, what's really crazy is the week that those kind of like, um, I guess, new rules were put in place and things like that. The construction company that was working on uh, our space laid off over half their crew. Wow! And wow. we actually had two of their guys come in on a Saturday just because they had gotten to know me during the process and wanted to finish up a few little things that were uh, not quite done yet. So that's how, that's how tight the timing was wow. on us actually moving into our new space. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that, uh, that we could talk about. And are, are we going to dive into specifically like, what happened with the pandemic? How did we feel about it? Or what exactly should I focus in on at this moment uh, regarding the pandemic? Well, I guess um, I guess we will. But let's quickly go to Aaron and Ryan and just just give us a, yeah. a brief summary of, of what's happened. And then we'll kind of circle back around and, and address some of the, the other things having to do with COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, I'll jump in, Ryan, if you're cool with that. <laughs> I think... If I'm everybody, I'm wondering how does this change things moving forward and how does this affect me, right? Like how does it affect me, a freelancer living here or there? Um, I think it has expanded. Everybody's kind of expanded their net because nobody's in the studio. So it's not like, well, can you come in on Monday? It's just like, okay, 
for us, it's more like, what's your internet speed like? <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> if we, if it's not right, can when can you get a bump so that we can get you going? Because they work actually physically on a workstation in the studio. So we're we're using mm-hmm. Teradici and then everything's still stored locally uh, in the studio. So that really we had to revamp our entire infrastructure to allow for that. But basically now every workstation in the studio can be controlled from anywhere in the world. So then we have people in Austria working and Portugal, like Duarte went out to Portugal and worked for a few months. Um, and it's, it's like a miracle. Like you, you would never ever attempt to do this if you weren't forced to, right? Because mm-hmm. you would think like there's, there's no way it could really work. I would be like, hey, yeah, but no. Um, so there's the technical ability to just get anybody working collaboratively in in a job, not just doing boards or doing a little dev or something like that, but actually in a job with everybody else in the studio. And I think that will continue. I think, you know, you don't have to be now in Chicago to work on the team producing a job, right? But there's also company culture. And I I cannot wait to get everybody back because there is something missing um, in terms of the joy of being around each other and the laughter, um, the separation of work and and home, you know what I mean? That like I'm for sure missing. So I I think it's gonna change the industry and add opportunity for people out there that are not able to be in a large metropolitan area. But um, but I do think there's gonna be this like amazing, like I can't wait to be around people again, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ryan? You were transitioning into your new position at the time, right? right. Yeah, I got I got really lucky actually because I started School of Motion was working remotely a couple of months. I got a, a couple where everybody else had to actually start doing it right. So I was in like January. Your your work. audio is is suddenly a low, little quiet. Lower all of a sudden. I don't know why. Oh. You know those automatic settings. Yeah, I just assumed it was me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I uh, check check your uh, check your automatic stuff in in Skype real quick, and we'll. We'll see what we yeah, can do here for a second. Um, I gotta, I gotta get whatever lighting setup and camera that Ryan has. Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like he's got a right fifteen hundred dollar camera. I bet anything on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A- any he luck? Got the shallow depth of field, that autofocus that tracks with you. Isn't there a filter I can apply that'll make mine look just as good? <laughs> When this looks this bad, you have to just up the rest of the game around it. All right. Uh, that should be better. I it's, it's, I haven't used Skype in. It's still low. Still low I, I don't know why. Huh. Right, let, me, let me check. I took the auto off. Yeah. It was fine earlier. Yeah. We'll it? check. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, do a couple questions here. Let's take a look at that. I, uh, I've got a quick question. Um, if I, if I can, because uh, one thing that I found interesting um was and I'm interested to hear uh, Aaron's take on this because I know you know you've worked with a lot of these big NDA companies big time and I'm curious how some of these companies have handled the remote workers and such you know because I feel like 
having so many remote workers really gives a chance to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to break, you know, the, yeah. the, the silence, whatever. The yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So people are probably going to be surprised by this, but all of these companies are thrilled that people can be working. You know, they're just so happy people can be working and continuing to make progress um, that the way they've kind of gotten around it, I I think all the files still have to be stored at the studio. That is like no question. And devices, um, no work or communication about the work can happen online. So you can't use like we, we use um, Slack. So there would be like, okay. okay, that job would go off Slack. You wouldn't be able to use like Google Sheets or anything like that. So, so that's a no-go, right? So we would have to have something on our server that we're communicating in in a shot list kind of capacity. So we're probably like shotgun or something like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing they're doing is before like studios were really responsible for their employees, right? Like who has access to the work? how is it kind of be moved around? And we are very much like in held to the fire if something goes wrong. They will still go after the individual person, but what they're doing now is they're making it very clear that all the studios have to have every individual person sign a much more strict thing. So they know that it's not the studio that's going to not, you know, Sarovsky, the studio that's going to be held accountable. It's going to be you, mm-hmm. you the person working on the job. If you're working in front of a window and your neighbor filmed something like you oh. should have known to black out that window that is in the contract, oh. you will be held personally responsible yeah. for it. Wow. So there's a lot more personal responsibility being passed through. Mm. Isn't that crazy? But that's how they're doing it. Hmm. (laughs) It's like, no, Nana, you can't come in here. Yeah, right. Ryan, any better Um, now? Let's see. Can you guys hear me now? Oh, you're still quiet. I don't know what happened. I don't know. It's it's even on Windows. It's it's pegging at like 95 percent when I look at it and found settings. Weird. Strange. All right. Well, I'll keep. Dave, are you able to adjust it in your on your side? Yeah. Well, I was gonna look and see if I could possibly do that. um, either that or we I don't know if you have another microphone or something that you could try we'll we'll give it a go but uh, maybe I can ride the levels manually we'll we'll give it a try um, <laughs> um, <DJ>. yeah <laughs> um, Barton uh, I, I think you probably have a lot to say about COVID so let's uh, let's, let's go <laughs> let's hear about, it. <laughs> let's hear about that a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah I, I I feel like you know you and I have have talked offline and things and and uh, it's I you still have people working distance in the studio now right um, so we are for the most part everybody's back in the studio mm-hmm. um, we're able to do things a little bit different in Texas we've got a 4800 square foot building um and 10 of there's uh excuse me there's 11 of us um but only eight are full-time um so uh between that we have a good 18 to 20 feet apart from us and we're doing uh basically what we call restaurant rules so if you're at your desk working you don't have to have your mask on but if you get up and walk around you need to put your mask on um, so that's how we've been doing things for, for quite a while now. Um, but we were remote um, at one point. 
Um, interestingly enough, our county that we are in never fully shut down. Um, so very early on, we gave everybody the option of, of working remote if they were, you know, uncomfortable, wanted to yeah. go home or whatever, uh, like really early on in March. Um, and so about half our team uh, worked from home. Um, I think there were about four, uh, maybe five of us that kind of stayed and, mm-hmm. you know, it gave us sanity to come into the to come mm-hmm. into the studio. And yeah. there were times where we were just like checking all the laws and we're reading all, all the like Twitter feeds of the local judges and we're like, are we allowed to be in here? Are yeah. we supposed to stay home? Like yeah. I'm not totally sure. So we like pulled our blinds down to make sure that <laughs> didn't think we were like a coffee shop or something. It shut us down thinking we were like a public coffee shop, you know? So right. um yeah, but it, I mean, it, it, it becomes very challenging. Uh, this whole year has been kind of challenging in the sense that, um, especially, you know, on the leadership side of things, like you're juggling different personalities. Like I've got people on my staff on on either spectrum of this. I've got, you know, people who didn't leave their bedrooms for six or seven months and didn't even want to see their kids because they were afraid they were going to get COVID from their kid. Uh, and then I've got people that are born and raised from Texas and mm. they shoot and eat COVID for breakfast. They don't care what yeah. it is, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and so you got, you got personalities on, on both, uh, ends of the spectrum as far as is COVID real? Is it a pandemic? You know, <laughs> are we all gonna, oh my God. are we all gonna die from it? You know, so that gets interesting and, and we're a very, um, we're a very like tight knit family. Like everybody gets along, you know? Um, so this was probably the first time where it, it, it was juggling emotions and tension. And, you know, there were, there were days where it was like, you know what, it's probably a good thing that you're working remote because if you were in here, it would just be negative, you know, energy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of a mixed blessing to be able to have people work remote. Mm-hmm. stay where they feel safe obviously we don't want anybody coming into the studio and feeling like they're in an unsafe space mm-hmm. um so dealing with that but overall things went really well but i would say like because we kind of operate like a tight-knit family this was kind of like the first family feud if you will and it was like oh wait like yeah. you who i like get along with on pretty much every aspect of work and even personal stuff we talk about movies and whatever else you know now all of a sudden oh wait like you feel that way about covid and you feel that way about covid like Mm. seriously like you know it's kind of like the first family feud if you will um so getting through that was was interesting and i think you know you try and keep it as professional as possible but um you can't help uh you can't help but in an election year for politics and COVID yeah. to enter conversation some way, somehow, you know, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things we wanted to do as soon as we got into the new building was start our own uh, kind of video podcast. I don't even know if it would be a podcast. It'd be more like um, uh, if you've ever seen like the barbershop, I think that's the show that LeBron James does, but yeah. basically we wanted to like start uh, almost like a little, series of videos it wasn't going to be like a dedicated weekly thing um but uh maybe put out like 10 at a time or if you will right and just talk about different industry subjects like talk about creative briefs 
and just give people an inside addition as to what happens inside of a studio space, um, you know, covering different topics as well. Um, and it just obviously like being spread out and remote uh, prevented that. But even when you come back together, the wearing of the masks can't do that. But even more so, nobody's themselves because mm-hmm. the apocalypse is going on. Right. And it's hard to have a normal conversation without something coming up about COVID and where you lie and how you think about COVID is going to depend on whether or not you are a Trump or Biden voter. And it just happens. And it's like, you don't even want it to. Um, So we just chose not to even attempt to do it because nobody can really relax and have a good time and talk about anything other than COVID or the elections. (laughs) Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I commend you for, I mean, just surviving that piranha water of a year for you. That's intense. You know, because for us, like, there were a lot of uh, emotions more. I mean, everybody was unified. And if somebody wasn't, they hope they knew better than to say otherwise. But um, yeah. You know, just because they would have been surrounded. We had a lot of emotion about around the Black Lives Matter movement and the feeling of being in a craft that is, um, you know, fairly segregated. And we were feeling very um, emotional about that. And I'm a designer pretending to be a creative director, pretending to be a director, and most certainly pretending to be a business owner, I'm not going to begin to try and have some kind of forum on the state of the industry and how I do or do not play a role in that. How I don't know how we can make it better other than to not be discriminatory, to look at every reel that comes our way. Like So for us, it was about that. It was about like what can we do to evolve the industry to be more inclusive? Like, so we had a lot of emotions, but it was, it was pointed in a different direction where all of us were kind of coming together and wrestling with the emotions around it and trying to find like creative outlets for how we can make a difference. Right. But that, that like combativeness would be very, very challenging to be around. So I I think you're right. Like having, you know, um, people be home that were worried and concerned rightly so and some people in the office that were a little bit um, more casual about it I think that's that's a like a good starting place but as a business owner I can't imagine how stressful that was and getting work done like on top of it like we're having all these emotions and then we have Mm -hmm. client calls and we got to keep our shit together on them and we have more work than ever going on so yeah, and I definitely don't mean to suggest that we got into feuds. I think it's no, just, it's <laughs> from my position, it was just kind of like, oh, well, you can oh, tell well. where that person stands. You can tell yeah. where that person stands. <laughs> yeah. Let's try and yeah. make sure that this conversation doesn't go where it's about to go. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Ryan? I feel like. Are you working now? Let's see. Can you, can you hear me now? There we go. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, sweet. Good. Great. All right. Woo. I don't know what's happening. Where, where are we at? Where, where, what's the question? Um, okay, well, we'll uh, yeah, we'll hop just around the whole thing here, and we'll we'll come back to you with the um, just in general how 
you dealt with it, how everything was handled. Uh, you were in transition there into a, a new job. And uh, yeah. just give us kind of a general rundown of what you had to deal with. I mean, I, I was really lucky because I was already starting to work remote because I moved to uh, to School of Motion from Digital Kitchen, right? So that was a much easier transition. You know, like working from home wasn't as big of a deal, which it's still tough and it's still still frustrating. Um, but it's been very eye-opening seeing it from the um, the student perspective or from the people who are young in their careers because it's been this um, being witness to large companies. I also work with like Joel Pilger and seeing how he works with larger studios kind of approach on it. So I felt like I was getting a real time kind of like um, finger on the pulse of everybody at the same time. And it was kind of emotionally overwhelming because everybody was scared. And then fairly quickly, we all, everyone got busy. Right? There was a lot of work, but um, with that extra, with all that rush to work, um, it was a, a temporary high because people started getting overloaded. Like there was more, mm-hmm. more work than people actually had capacity for, including new clients, including new, new people that you want to continue working with when this is all done. So you want to make the best impression possible, but you're taking a lot of risks because you're having to bring in remote creative directors, right? Remote artists you may never have worked with. Um, so it's hard to mitigate, like, do I take this job and screw it up and ruin my, rep- my reputation or my opportunity with that client forever, you know, going forward. Um, and there's been a real rush to just try to find responsible people that can get the job done, um, reliably in this very unique kind of situation for collaboration. It's not the best way to start a collaboration with a new artist having to like do this or 24-7 Slack and not be able to just come by and see what's going on. So as business owners, I'm sure it's hard. As creative directors, it's really frustrating because it's hard to get what you want out. But even just as an animator, it's really difficult to do that. But then on the other side, I think it's really important to um, not forget that there were a lot of people that were graduating that were getting ready to start internships. There were a lot of people with fresh Mm -hmm. demo reels ready to find their first job. And for people who own studios, it's been like there's a gold rush. And for people who are in that kind of middleweight, getting ready to try to become an art director or a creative director, there's been a whole ton of opportunity to prove yourself because we just need more people that you can trust. But for those people who are starting out, it's kind of been a stalling out waiting period. And it's been really unfortunate Mm -hmm. because there's really talented people that just have never worked on a real job, collaborated before. And they may also run into those situations where you give people the benefit of the doubt when they're sitting next to other people and they have peers and they have mentors right. and they have structure that um, there's a lot of just um, trepidation and fear, I think, across the board, even though there's a lot of opportunity, which then kind of doubles back on you and kind of it, it's like feeding back. I'm like, well, I've got to be doing good because everybody's doing good. Why am I not doing mm-hmm. good? Yeah. Um, so it's been very interesting just in the kind of like the psychology of the industry as a whole, watching this all happen. Um, and then I think the bigger question hopefully you talk about is how do we take this? I hate this phrase, but like what's the next new normal whenever this does kind of settle up, right? Like does mm-hmm. all the live action work just go shuffling back? Is there a new blended model of remote freelancers and staff, you know, in the house? Like how do we take advantage of this unique situation to actually restructure and re- rework the way our side of the business like actually can be. We can rewrite yeah. a lot, but it, it, there's a lot of wild cards right now. Do you think filming will come back in its full capacity? Do you think there's going to be a yeah. happy medium? Where do you think that's going to be? I think, I think filming will come back tenfold. I think, I think it's like the, like the beach, like, like the wave is going out. It's going to go back. And what, what we need to do is just try to figure out how we can be these are all teachable moments for clients, I think, for, for agencies, for brands, for clients to prove mm-hmm. what we can do. That we're not just like reliable and that we're fast and that we're cheaper, but this is the one time for motion designers to prove 
that we are different than live action in a very unique way. We are different than visual effects or feature animation. Mm -hmm. We are problem solvers that work with you, like collaboratively. We don't have ego. We're not uh, uh, like grinding people down and employing 300 people. It's a bespoke, unique industry that if that's how you want to work, we're the best people to work with going forward. And you should come to us more often. Um, but I do think that it's going to go all the way back, like in terms of filming. And then there'll be a course correction. Like people will be like, oh, well, we tried that animation with Swarovski and that was really good. Maybe we can do that again. But I, I think people are going to go back to what they're used to. And then we have to try to like remind people. Yeah. I wish, I'm glad that's being recorded. I'm going to buy it for people. <laughs> I think that was a perfect one, articulation. The, like the one area that I think has taken a massive, massive hit and I think will take a long time to recover is the live production, the live event space. That's different. That's yeah. like, you know, um, it, talking about camp, we originally had dates booked in October and now they moved NAB to yeah. that same weekend in October. Yeah. I'll tell you this, like as a director at Camp MoGraph, I'm hoping that it happens for, for camp for a hundred of us to get together. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go to Vegas with a hundred thousand people from all over right. the world right. for <laughs> how many years. Right. Like, I mean, until this stuff really settles down and then, I mean, you have all the live sports, all the live, um, you know, music stuff that people have built careers on. Yeah that have dramatically changed. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I think the live action, like film stuff will definitely come roaring back, but I'm really curious to see, you know, how how fast the live event space comes back. I mean, I, I, I think as soon as people feel even like remotely comfortable with a vaccine, even maybe working, that, I mean, at least in the United States, the, the amount of people that are out doing stuff that's, you know, arguably crazy right now. The moment that you even get a, a somewhat all clear, there is so much pent up demand. Like, I, I don't understand how people are saying that movie theaters are going to go away. Like, other people may own them. There may be a slightly different model, but yeah. no one ever said they wanted to stop going to movies, even if, like, stuff is available. If, if every Disney and Warner Brothers movie is still available, because people want to get out. People want to turn mm -hmm. their brains off. People want to have that environment where they can focus on one thing. It may be a slightly different thing, but, I mean, sports, concerts, movies that stuff is going to come back probably sooner as, as soon as someone says it's okay it will come yeah. back whether or not that yeah. means that there's gonna be another wave of danger after that that's another argument <laughs> yeah, right. but I, people want to leave their house people, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, ryan i'd like to jump back to something that you were talking about because we're getting some uh, uh some some chatter in the chat you know where some Ooh. people are disagreeing about Spicy. you know freelance work and stuff you know i, I mean i think it's great conversation yeah. because disagreeing i think in which way though well, they're disagreeing that – well, but they're saying that uh, – and, and I see what they're talking about. Freelance work has really boomed, you know, um, especially yeah. since it – but what I think you brought up was the fact that you've got a bunch of these, students. like, students and kids, yeah. Yeah. you know, so coming out of college. And there's a yeah. big difference between, you know, being in the industry for a couple of years and then deciding, okay, I'm going to go freelance – you know, and kind of having an idea of how the industry works enough to where you can run a business on your own versus m me fresh out of college. I wouldn't have even known right. what to do. You know, it took me 10 years in the industry before I really knew how to run a business on my Franchise own. Franchise taxes? Huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Saving for quarterly taxes? No, I don't think I was saying that there's no freelance out there. I think it's the exact opposite. I think that 
it's a boom time. It's a gold rush right now. Like wherever you were at before COVID as a motion designer, the opportunity to take a step or two up in the rung is available. So if you were a staffer, the, the opportunity to become a freelancer and run your own career and run your own bookings, there's never been a better time. If you were a person in a collective or a solo entrepreneur, this is the first time, and I think there's some people on here that are going through this right now, it's a great time to hire your first employee, right? Like to be a mm-hmm. two or three person shop. If you're a small shop, it's a great time to go medium. It may not be a great time to go medium to be super large, even though I know there are companies doing that. What I'm talking about more is that the people who have never actually had the experience of being Ever, in your seat yeah. next mm-hmm. to a person, it's really difficult. You want to talk about imposter syndrome, like the imposter I, syndrome of coming out of school with whatever the education system's telling you now is, which is already behind the eight ball when you come out of school, right? But mm-hmm. a school can't tell you what it's like to work as a freelancer or a staff artist in COVID, right? So there's always opportunity. I think there's a ton of opportunity. I think there's people booked like more than they can actually Crazy. handle. They're scrambling yeah. to find yeah. people to take care of the work for them. Even as solo mm-hmm. freelancers, mm-hmm. I think people are double and triple booking, which I would love to actually hear from Aaron and Barton a little bit about how do you mitigate and make sure you're actually getting the person you're booking? Because I think mm-hmm. I've had multiple people tell me, yeah. Hey man, could you, could you night and weekends for me? Cause I double booked and I'm like, and they're Ooh. double booking at big studios. I'll tell you afterwards. People are like, Oh, you know what? If I, if I take all this work, I can only work six months and then they get into the thick of it. And I'm hearing stories of people returning deposits to, to studios, people who are like apologizing saying like, I'm burnt out. I can't do it anymore. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's it, it, even an added stress, even if you're super successful right now, there's the added stress of how much do I take in and how hard do I burn both can the candle at both ends. So, so don't, don't get me wrong. I think there's a ton of work out there. There's more than we've ever had. Oh, yeah. And it's not just located in LA and New York anymore. But I think for those, those people, I don't want to all just be, you know, like, rosy colored glasses in terms of like it's great and it's a boom time because there are people who are basically waiting till it's all stuff out to get their first step in yeah i mean we took on three like the weekend before everything got closed so like two days before because we closed on a tuesday we're like okay we're gonna close for a couple days see what happens and like nobody ever came back on a tuesday (laughs) (laughs) but that weekend we were at commotion which is a big event that scad uh savannah college of art and design has and it's like uh you know (laughs) you gotta bid on people practically it's like a a, a, like a real life auction (laughs) or like a great talent right and, you know, there were three people we really were excited about and um, we offered them like a, essentially a, a long term yeah. freelance mm-hmm. booking because it's about mentoring them, seeing how they're responding, getting to know Chicago, all of that stuff. It's like rent to own, you know, um, <laughs> but for us, that the goal of that is to mentor into becoming a full time artist, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to making sure it's a good fit. and. Also, what that does is it forces conversation along the way. You're not just going to hire them and then talk to them in a year. You talk every three months, you know. Um, And then two days later, like, we were working remote and we had these offers out, you know. Um, And so we followed through on them. And it's been a real um, awesome experience mentoring from afar because it really kind of forces you to be very hands-on. and I'm 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 just super proud of them for stepping up and in in Slack, being a part of the conversation, being active, not waiting 
to be called on. They're like right. active and, and it takes a yeah. certain kind of confident personality to like prod like me and all the other creative directors. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. I know you're on seven calls, but you got to look at this. You got to look at this. I mean, imagine how that feels for a kid coming out of school to do that. <laughs> right. to like partner. I, that's gotta be incredibly, um, you have to have confidence. And, and so I was really proud of how they stepped up, but like, if that had happened the week before, like we wouldn't have made offers to anybody. Right. You know, right. Yeah, just and think of all the people that, that were in that position, even if the student show position. was a week or two later, right? Like exactly. who's even going to the shows at that point? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a world where I, we're seeing really unprecedented stuff, right? Like I think just like a week or two ago, PSYOP, I've never seen this before. PSYOP put out a listing for global remote staff, like people trying to apply for it. And it was like, eight different positions. IV Animation just announced they're looking for a creative director, a producer, animators, illustrators, Ranger and Fox, like very high level studios, high performing studios are having a very hard time finding the entry level, the middleweight and the senior most positions you can hire right now. I know Barton, you were looking for people even, I think not that long ago, several months ago. Like how are you guys yeah. feeling in terms of Still trying to Still looking for Houdini artists, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. we actually just hired our um, first international person from Australia. Oh. Uh, he joined our team. He actually joined our team about a month ago. Um, so I've never seen him without a mask. Um, <laughs> you know, one day, one day uh, we'll know what he looks like. Um, but yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool moment to be able to to hire our first international person. Um, we actually have to hang papers in the studio showing his immigration like stuff. It's weird. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. Crazy. Is he is he moving or is he staying and working remotely? Yeah. Uh, no, he's here. Yeah, he okay. moved oh, wow. here in, wow. a little over a little over a month ago. Yeah. Did you wow. start yes. out doing anything remote to kind of feel it out? How how did all of that work? Um, yeah, so we typically will freelance with somebody before we hire them on, um, but a lot of times, um, at least when I'm looking to add on a new person. I don't necessarily need to outsource to them unless I'm wanting to hire them. So we kind of get all of the discussions out of the way. Okay, the money, the money lines up. I can afford to pay you what you're asking. You're willing to move here. Okay, now I'll send some freelance work with to you, you know, because I don't necessarily have to outsource this, but right. I'm going to before I give you an offer. Um, and so that's typically how we would do something like that. And that's cool. were you working with anybody new on a freelancing basis during COVID? I'm just curious what, if you had any obstacles when it came to working remote or if it was pretty much business as usual, because you've done a little bit of that before. Yeah. I mean, so the biggest challenge I think, uh, for me with the remote work, well, there's a, there's several, um, but, um, I almost wish, and maybe this exists and you guys can fill me in. Um, I almost wish, not in like a big brother kind of way, but I almost wish <laughs> that there was a software where I could see, see monitor. everybody's monitors, yep. yeah. almost like mm -hmm. security cameras. Yeah, <laughs> like Sliver, remember that I know somebody working on it, Barton. I know somebody working on it, actually. And it's 100%, it's not a, it's not a big brother thing like micromanagement. But there's just so much inefficiency that just a simple trip to the restroom, I can stop, say right. hi to people, see their monitors right. and be like, oh, you know what? Sorry, I didn't tell you. 
we don't need you to animate that shot anymore. You know what I mean? Right. But, but yep. when you're remote, everything turns into basically full day increments. And at the end of a the day, they post the progress. And then it's like, oh my gosh, they only got that far in a full day. I thought those revisions were going to take like two hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So things just turn into like full day before you get like true progress or feedback. Um, so for me, that was kind of like the, the most challenging thing is it's just nice to be able to see something on someone's monitor and like yeah. run over and be like, that looks awesome. Don't touch it anymore. Like that. Looks yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and so that aspect of working remote was challenging. Um, and then uh, I actually one thing I did like about working remote and even. I think the best thing to come out of uh, the the pandemic so far is the video chatting. Like prior to I COVID, love that too. everybody it was awkward and it was like invasive, and almost nobody would get on a video chat with you, especially yeah. not a client. Right. Uh, and if you got on a video chat with a client, someone had their camera off. And then it was just yeah. awkward, you know, like, no like I remember telling call. a client one time, yeah. like, Hey, just so you know, we can see you, but we had no intention of turning our camera on ever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, we, but we wanted to make sure they didn't do anything awkward. Um, so, uh, so the nice thing about that is it's, it's completely changed that. So we're video chatting, um, with people in Brazil on a regular basis. We're, uh, video chatting with people in Italy now on a regular basis, um, and these are new clients since the pandemic started. Um, and so it's, it's pretty crazy in that sense that I feel like I know these people now because of that right. video chat culture is completely mm-hmm. acceptable. And we've always dealt with working remote anyway. None of our clients are in Dallas. Um, our yeah. clients are on every coast and, and mm-hmm. several international um, so to be able to have it be acceptable to video chat has been an enormous win for us as far as feeling like we actually have a relationship uh, with some clients. You know, sometimes you get on the phone and when you're on the phone, you don't really connect or know a yeah. whole lot about that person. They don't feel like a real person. They yeah. just feel like kind of this voice that's giving you revisions. And and when you're on the phone, you can be like... I'm making face. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but, but when yeah. you're on video yeah. chat, you got to put your poker face on and you'll be like, no problem. We will make that revision, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Tenth revision. So huh? that sense, okay. All right. Yeah. So in that sense, it's been nice because you do kind of be like, okay, that person has a four year old that keeps walking into the room yeah. while they're giving me these horrific revisions, you know, but it at least puts like humanity, you know, some yeah. personality yeah. behind the person. It makes them real uh, versus yeah. just like this authoritative do this, you know, it's uh, amazing. It's so been kind of, uh, that's been real nice actually. There's like, there's I people I met this year that I got to know really well. And I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. now and I'm like, I've never met Jonathan Winbush in person. You know, yeah. which is amazing. Like <laughs> yeah. we yeah. we worked on this course together. We play video games together. We do live streams together. We'll play you know on his uh, video games on his Twitch stream on the weekends now, and um, that's that's really weird. I, I almost when I schedule a meeting now, I assume that this is going to be a Skype or a Zoom meeting without even asking. Uh-huh. It's like yes. somebody will call and I'm like, oh, you thought I meant on the phone? 
Uh, how quaint, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and we're riding that out, you know, like anytime somebody wants to chat, it's like, send them a zoom link yeah. right away and, and mm-hmm. get on. And so we've actually, because we are in the studio, we, uh, we went out and invested in several camera systems. Um, and it helps if we are working with freelancers. So this kind of foyer area that I'm in right now actually has a camera system and a sound, uh, mic for the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. so, cool, cool, um, cool. my son actually had COVID about a month ago. And so I was at home for, I don't know, like three, wow. four weeks straight or something like that. And I was able to run the meetings. Um, I was up on the big screen running the meetings. <laughs> on the basketball? You were bigger brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that we, you know, we've invested in uh, video equipment for Zoom calls and things like that. Um, and then we've got it installed in our conference rooms now. Whereas I never would have installed video chat right. software yeah. or hardware yeah. prior yeah. to this. Yeah. On the on the note of working remote, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on like the whole remote machine thing. Is now I I've only started hearing about is it Terra Terra I only yeah. started to hear about this this week because I'm living under a rock, I think, and uh, <laughs> okay, or in a cave. I mean, literally. Now um, I'm interested to hear kind of what your uh, what your opinion is of that and working remotely and people using your machines remotely it does it seem like it's working well for you or is it uh, you have any issues with it uh both with the people the technology yeah well i mean we're using it every day and it's working great um what like i say if we're gonna book somebody new which i could speak to that ryan too if you want me to but when we book somebody new we immediately you you need a decent amount of bandwidth for it to really work. So if somebody just doesn't have the MVPS and <laughs> and the right pings and all that shit, like it's not going to work. It's just not. So, um, but we got a great pipe coming in and going out. And as long as it's the same on the other end, it's it's been working seamlessly. Um, the the fun thing for me so i'm a mac person i'm on my laptop um but you know you know power animators at this point should be on a pc right like Mm -hmm. it's just more powerful Mm -hmm. it's more cost efficient it's like all the things and so it's really forced whatever holdouts we had onto a pc because um the Macs just don't work as well on Terra DG. There is a way to make them work. It's just like the cost of a PC to make it work. Right. <laughs> and it's like, why <laughs> would I invest that into like a cheese grater, you know? So um, so it really kind of forced an issue that was going to be an issue in the future to go away, which was immediately everybody had to become PC literate. And there really were only a couple holdouts, but it, it really tore the Band-Aid off that one. You know, so that's cool. It really, it works great with us. I've been pinged by a few people asking me about it because um, we've written a few articles about it or been interviewed in a few articles. And they're like, really, this works for you? This works for you? Like, it's not working for us. And I'm like, I, you know, it's working perfectly for us. Like, so I, you know, maybe it's how Mark and has everything set up. Maybe he's just a brilliant IT guy that has the secret sauce. But um. But it is and it's working, you know, and we have our flame working remote, too. Mm-hmm. That was a little challenging, uh, I think, to set up, but it's working great. And it was actually like a simple method to get it going 
in it's always like the simplest solution you know they, <laughs> they gotta go this way and this way and this way and this way and then it's like well what if we just do it like this and everyone's like that won't work that's too simple and then that's, you know um so that's up and running now too so yeah I, it's truly incredible like how we're able to get stuff done <laughs> like it's it's really like the fact that we're able all to be working like this is is truly like a miracle yeah you know yeah. like 10 years ago no way yeah, yeah. oh yeah you didn't even have yeah. you didn't even have the internet bandwidth for that yeah right. be, you know? yeah like no way we we'd be dropping and i know a lot of you'd people dropping like, off hard drives yeah <laughs> But I, I really think that we're going to see see this accelerate now because I think the um, part of it was just asking permission, right? Like I have a bunch of friends that work in feature animation and VFX that historically we're always told, nope, you can't work from home. You need to be in the office for whatever reasons, the technology, the software, the hardware, and the NDA kind of like, you know, security situations. But I have friends working at Disney Feature, I have friends working on VFX for Marvel, and they flipped the switch shockingly fast where yeah. there was like, like they were in deadlines, like like last four or five weeks deadline for a feature film and were able to basically take three days off. And over the weekend, I can't even imagine how much money it costs to do it, but like the entire animation team all of a sudden was yeah. working from home seamlessly and it w wasn't a problem at all, right? Like the entire VFX episodes, like VFX-fueled TV episodes have been shipped completely remotely. No one working yeah. at a studio at all except for the IT to make sure. Like that that's astounding that within less than four to six weeks, that the entire industry could say, you can never do this to everybody's doing it, right? But I think what, what's going to happen is to what Barton was saying earlier, the um, the technology is, we've now heard that there is a pain point that technology can solve and it's coming. The solutions are coming fast and it's going to change the industry. I just had a, a hour and a half long conversation with somebody that's working on a After Effects competitor app that's all in the browser, that's fully collaborative with video chat built in with version control and there are literally no saved files that you actually work with, right? And it's for video, it's for shape layer animation, for type animation. It's basically After Effects in Chrome, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and we could literally be doing this with five to 10 people and putting in comments that are in line and having version control. And all you have to do is send a private link like from IO to the client for the version. They can leave notes and everybody can see it written in real time and react to right. it. Hmm. Like that's coming in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, well, and so, virtual workstations, like soon yeah. we're not going to be buying workstations. It's all going to be, rented. you know, yeah. rented basically. Do you think that that's the answer eventually? Because right now, if we stay in this situation, people are going to have to, well, freelancers are going to have to invest in their own gear when maybe before they were using other people's gear on site you know, how do you do you think that that's going to get to a point where nobody even has to worry about getting the latest thirty ninety or? Yeah, I mean, I think people will always want to like like for security and reliability, they're going to want to own their own stuff. But I think it just means that people who never had access to this stuff, people who never thought that they could even do it, and whether like I said, like like people who never thought they could do motion graphics because of the cost and the access now have access. The people who didn't have the ability to collaborate because they were in a geographic location, can now collaborate. The people who never had access to the grunt to do photorealistic work now have access to it. So everybody levels up, but we all level up at the same time. So then it changes what your actual offering is, right? Mm -hmm. Are you just offering that you can render faster because you have more nodes than mm -hmm. someone else? Like it, it means you have to kind of change what it is that you actually offer to a client, I think. Um, but I think more people are getting into it. I mean, just look at what's happening with gaming, right? Like gaming on the cloud has always been a pipe dream until basically this generation of gaming. 
and what you're seeing now like is pretty astounding and it's only going to get faster um quicker so i I think that's coming to us pretty fast yeah can i i want to jump back to something um that ryan you were talking about where there's so many people trying to fill new positions and hiring all these new positions to uh, to to help with this particular situation, right? We're all in a mm. different situation. We're all there's more work coming in. We need to hire. What happens once it's all over and we've got all this overhead? Mm-hmm. See, uh, what worries me is that in six to twelve months you're going to have a lot of layoffs within our industry because there's so much need right now. And we're just hiring and hiring and hiring. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that gets back to what I said at the beginning is that this is a, an opportunity to prove why you are different than what we thought we were before, right? Like you were making commercials, you're making 30 second pieces and not like visual effects totally where it's a race to the bottom on cost. But it, it, there is a chance that we have too many people doing it and everybody just operates that way. This is a chance to prove that you do something more than just the end product, right? Like working with Aaron is a different experience than working with Barton, right? But mm-hmm. their clients love That's working with sure. them for a specific <laughs> reason, right? But like, like, like clients come back to Barton over and over, not just because he makes a beautiful right. image. He solves a problem. The way he works is enjoyable. He's trustworthy. What Aaron does, no one else can do, right? So that that's the thing that people have to start thinking about is that it's not just the race to learn the new tutorial. It's not just the race to have faster hardware. It's the race to mm-hmm. position and brand yourself as an artist, even as a freelancer, as a solo freelancer. You have a brand. I hate using that term. But like you have something that makes you different from people, and it isn't just your demo reel. It isn't just like mm-hmm. the list of things you've done or the software you know. When that water does start to go back into the ocean, the beach isn't full of all this opportunity. That will be the thing that's the differentiator. You know, like, and it's a good reminder that that's what it's always been like. It may mm-hmm. be more acute right now because there's going to be a rush and there's going to be a, a like the water's going to go back. But like you should have always been thinking about this all the time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Barton, what do you one think? Thing that, oh, sorry. Go one ahead. thing that I've noticed on on my end from things, I, you know, I'm kind of a, a solo person that hires mm-hmm. people when needed and ramp up whatever. But like, a lot of my clients are finally getting what motion graphics are, and they're yes, finally yeah. getting what mm-hmm. 3D animation yeah. is. And yeah. so, like, if anything, this has almost been more of a hook to bring more people in. Whether or not, like, the projects keep coming in at the rate they might be, but, like, even if they don't, the exposure is now there. And people now have some sort of knowledge and foundation to start building a marketing campaign off of whatever animation asset, you know? Um, So I I think that's uh, what I've noticed on my end of things, yeah. Mark, I'm so glad you said it because I think, Barton, I I, I apologize for cutting off, but I, I think that there's an important lesson to be learned from if anybody's ever been on a live action set. What does a client want, right? We have Video Village. We have the areas where the clients sit. The clients want to feel like they're part of the process. Part of right? it, yeah. They want to feel like a part. Of it. And, and we have to work around like making sure they get that opportunity to feel like it, but not mess stuff up too much. But on the opposite side, when we're doing motion design, there's an a antagonistic relationship almost all the time where it's like, okay, put them in the room. Let's listen to them. Let's get them out as fast as possible. Not everywhere. But a lot of people have that like, okay, they're coming to me for my art. Let me do my art and walk away. But I think that Erin's shaking her head no because she's very successful in making it feel like it's a partnership. 
But a oh, lot yes. of people have this us versus them mentality, like, oh, yeah. those client notes are awful. Oh, we have to do this. Maybe we can find a way to not do what they want. But maybe the lesson to be learned is you differentiate yourself by starting to do what sometimes we do in live action, that there's a way to people make people feel like they're part of the process. And that's why they come back. It's not just because you're cheaper or faster or you made something beautiful. Maybe it's just because you're fun to work with and they felt like they were part of it. And that gives you way more power. And maybe that's where we, can, we have this opportunity to start doing that because no one's sitting on set in live action right now, or very few people mm. are. And they're craving. Like, they're still human beings on the other side as clients wanting to feel like they're part of something. Even mm. more so yeah. now because we're all virtual yeah. and we're far away. But I know that's not like Houdini or like a tutorial, but I think that there's a lesson <laughs> to be learned. Interestingly Absolutely. enough, we actually had a uh, client this year we were doing VFX supervising mm-hmm. for. And they oh. were able to essentially just set up a straight up live stream from their camera yeah. all day and send it to it us was and the client. Everybody was awesome. So interesting because yeah. yeah. we we didn't have to be on set VFX people. They would just they called me up out of the blue. They knew we were gonna do the VFX for it and they said, Will you check this link? And tell me if we can easily get rid of this reflection in this window. Yeah. And so being able to like see it live, see exactly <laughs> what the cameraman's shooting, and then I just kept it on for the rest of the day. And too. if I saw just anything watching. that yeah. was that I could yeah. see being an issue, you know, I was able to very easily just text text them and say, Hey, are we worried about this cone in the shot? Oh, okay, let's go ahead and move the cone. Yeah. <laughs> That goes straight to what Barton, like you were saying, right? Like, like yeah. imagine Barton, you could literally have like a switchboard operator screen with 20 windows and you're not watching it all the time, but you're sitting down at lunch at your desk and all of a sudden you see somebody doing something totally wrong. Just be able to call that out and that person's anywhere. Like that's coming. That technology is coming too, but it's the same thing. The line out, you're shortening the distance between the people and the distance between the decisions time-wise being made. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Maybe that's the stuff that will stick if we, if we make it. No, maybe yeah. if it was just their apps that specifically like After Effects or Cinema 4D or Houdini or something where you didn't see everything, maybe yeah. they'd feel more comfortable with that. Um, yeah. Remote-wise, though, Barton, yeah. what, how did you feel about that? And if you have something else to say, you can go ahead and say that Yeah, too. for sure. I mean, I think the future of that is very bright. Um, I think the present reality leads to a variety of questions. Um, so, for instance, um, right now, it's all kind of temporary and pandemic mode and uh when will we get back to you know the new norm or whatever but what happens when it is permanent and Mm -hmm. and regardless of pandemics what happens if remote or hiring remote people is permanent so now you have a few things happening right um it is not actually going to be cheaper because you're going to have to have that beast equipment here Mm -hmm. in in a storage unit if it's not a studio and in that storage unit is going to be a server with 50 computers and all you know so you're going to have that on your end that you're paying for Mm -hmm. you're going to have your internet your electricity and your things like that and then the first time somebody can't meet a deadline because their internet is too slow Mm -hmm. you're going to be paying for their internet at home because Mm -hmm. they're not going to either have the money or they're just going to say that's what i got I either right. need you to pay for my internet or you're going to have to deal with my mm. 20 megabyte download. Right. So now the employer is going to be paying for 10, 20, five, however many artists you're working with. If they're right. somewhat you know, permanent employees, you're going to be paying for internet at all these people's houses. And I think it goes a step further. 
right? You're so, going to be buying a nice chair for them, too. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm headed with I'm this. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, gonna, the, the it first will time, The mm-hmm. first time you video chat with them and you feel like the kids are distracting them, the kitchen has uh, mm-hmm. timers going off, you're going to say, hey, man, like your performance is not doing well. Can, can you get into a room inside your house by yourself? And now you're paying for square footage inside that person's house. Right. So yeah. I, that's where I'm like, I'm not saying that will happen, but I'm saying it's very realistic that if it becomes a permanent option, the things will flip. And now yeah. it's no longer like I get to work from home. My employer's being nice. It's like, oh, no, you're going to pay me to work from home. You're going to pay for my Internet. You're going to pay for mm-hmm. my square footage. Uh, and things like yep. that. And so then it's kind of like, never mind. <laughs> <You know? laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's the big question. Is there, is there a, to Aaron's point, is there at the beginning, is there kind of like a, a blended hybrid between all of this that works out well where you have, and, and does it, does it break down by role as well? Like, does it make sense to have remote designers who aren't so bandwidth constrained in terms of their work? And then you have the production team local, or do you have a blend where it's everywhere in every time zone, but you have kind of like a hit squad locally that can basically like Barton yeah. saying manage any of those crises and they're kind of like excess bandwidth, but you know, you've got a certain amount of like five person heavy hitter team that's sitting there with you. So if a client comes to the office or they're local, you know, you're covered there, but you have this extended bandwidth globally, right. Across, you know, as many countries or times as you want it, it's going to be interesting. I think yeah. the option it's, it's really fun to me because I feel like motion design was kind of calcifying around a very specific model in terms of like how you run your business, who your clients are, how you talk to them, what your pipeline is going to be. And now I feel like between everything with the pandemic and the, the tech that is coming in terms of tools and collaboration, you can change your pipeline. You can build a studio with a hypothesis that's totally different from the way Barton has his set up and the way Aaron's set up. It's not just After Effects, Cinema 48, 20 seats, people in the building, get the best you can and keep them there for as long as they can until they leave. Like there are a lot more options for how you actually structure your team, your business, and your, your definition even just as like a company of motion design, it's going to get exciting once it kind of settles in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. There's so many catch-22s, I think, um, that we're going to have to wrestle with. Like, it's one thing to hire a freelancer. It's another thing to outsource a job, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to be kind of, where's the line going to be there? I think yeah. at the end of the day, part of, um, the relationship is that there's this trust um, and that they do have a voice in the process. And if, you know, the hands doing the work are three voices away in, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Moldovia yeah. or whatever country, like um, mm-hmm. that's kind of like asking for trouble. Um, but here we are. Right. So we'll, right we'll find what that's, it's going to be a sweet spot. And it's going to be like from a business owner perspective for me, what I feel comfortable with and what Barton feels comfortable with and, you know, how we onboard people, whether um, they're a hit squad of two guys or just a single freelancer or where we do what we do with that. Like there's going to have to be trust trust built. And, you know, the way you bring in a, a new person is by having them on a team with, trusted other people whether they're full-timers or permalancers or just people you trust like i would never staff a job with like five brand new people like mm. that to me would be yeah. crazy yeah. yeah you know yeah. um 
I might outsource yeah. rotoscoping or, you know, sure. yeah, tasks. automation. Like we have yeah. to, like, come yeah. on. But like, you know, so there's, there's certain things like where is the line? Like I'm constantly wrestling with that every day and the technology is just making it a lot simpler and simpler. But, you know, my clients trust me to be transparent and um, I err on the side of transparency so that if yeah. something does go on, you know, if they're like, you know, if, if I feel like something's a little shaky, I'll just be honest about it before the shit hits the fan. Just, yeah. you know, so so they know what, what they're what they're buying, you know. Well, yeah. and I think with, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I could just ramble on forever. So. <laughs> 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 well, I think one thing to consider too with the remote working is if you are one of the remote workers, you got to keep in mind too that at that point, you're out of sight, out of mind to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. So you turn into a line item and a budget. And if it's yep. a profitable line item, you get to stick around. If it's mm -hmm. not profitable, you don't. Whereas in here, in the studio, you know, maybe this is something I'm going to have to evolve into a few more futuristic mindset. <laughs> but when you're in here, I look you in the eye every day. Wow. I have an obligation to you and your family. Right. And I need to stay focused and I need to get inspired and motivated to keep things going because I see you every day. Mm -hmm. and, and if I don't see you every day, I don't necessarily need the stress of making sure you have something to do or you have something mm -hmm. to do or this, that or the other. Um, and so there is that aspect of it. So as an employee, you can be saying, yeah, this is sweet. I get to work from home. I'm remote. Mm -hmm. That is true. But you also turn into a budget line item at that point. And, right. and it's, if I haven't seen you in six months, it's real easy to just be like, hey, sorry, we don't really have the work coming in. Whereas right. if I see you every day, I might weather the storm financially to keep this thing going, knowing that yeah. we can come out of it on the other side together. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's a really good point because i think um you know like on the freelancer side i we have owners talking about it but i'm really interested to hear like from the chat from you guys like is the 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 dividing line between like work and life for freelancers has always been a little fuzzy but i really wonder now with pandemic yeah. where people are getting called at you know crazy hours or from somebody in a totally different country or time zone like how is everybody handling freelance life where everything's kind of blended into just one kind of mushy, am I working right now? Am I, am I researching? Am I, am I watching YouTube? Am I like, do I need to run back to my computer to check to see if the render stopped or like, how is life? Because I feel like for all the opportunity, it's a really uniquely stressful time because you're kind of on call all the time mm -hmm. as a freelancer, potentially, even if you're just, you know, single booking, yes. doing working for one person, it's gotta be, a very different livelihood than it was a year ago, two years ago. Right. So um, if I can speak to that, um, so early on in the pandemic, once everything shut down, when all the schools are shut, were shut down, you know, uh, my wife's a teacher, so she was working from home as well. And we had a newborn who couldn't go to daycare, you know, and we couldn't get a babysitter. So we were juggling two kids, you know, one newborn, both working and having to get our, 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 our seven-year-old on to virtual school. And something about that whole situation gave me so much more like patience 
for working with clients or other people or Skyping mm-hmm. and seeing their kid just randomly come in. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I grew to like almost appreciate a client who I had who brought their kid in or was like, hey, how's it going? You know, not making a spectacle of it so much so that sometimes on the Monday meetings or stuff or even some other like Zoom calls, I'll have my baby with me. You know, yeah. <laughs> while I'm chatting with them, because I mean, it also makes us look like people, people. you know, yeah. and but it is it is hard. You know, we still my wife's back at work because we live in Texas and Texas doesn't care about people. So <laughs> she's back at work. You know, oh, my 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 older kid is back in school and but we do have the young one. And so we've got we've got a babysitter three days a week who comes in, but on Fridays oh it's God. me. You know, I'm dad. I'm dad, and then I get two hours of work done while he naps. Yes. And then once the wife, once my wife come home comes home, if I've got work to do, I'm I'm yeah, I'm on the clock off. until I get it done. Yeah. You yeah. remember the uh, yeah. viral video that was going around of that international reporter on CNN or oh, something. Yeah. With the kid. Yeah. The the kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember how like crazy it was to see that? You're like, Oh my gosh. And now you're like, Oh, that's just, that seems that's really normal. Yeah. 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 You just got to move your desk to where yeah. no one can see the door. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I have a question for especially Aaron and Barton. Um, you know, like when the pandemic started and everyone goes remote, like, you have empathy for people. The kid comes in, everyone's juggling, you know, remote learning and all that. Mm-hmm. I've always been of the mindset like, okay, um, you know, if I'm working with people, uh, another freelancer, I'm like, hey, as long as you get the work done, you know, and it's up to par and all that, I don't care if you're working at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. But with you guys, with a team, I'm really curious That's to know question. how that like factors in with meetings, uh, how do you do mm. feedback and critique and like all that when obviously people have lives going on all around them? You know, I know like scheduling stuff, I'm sure helps and, yeah. and people can carve that time out. But, you know, I feel like um, the work life balance right now is very gray and it's in a constant flux. So, um, yeah, I'd just be curious to know how you guys are handling it with your teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, pretty fluid (laughs) (laughs) I think we're just like I mean I have a kid and I'm probably the one that is the most um like unsympathetic (laughs) about it right like but but like whatever like it's really one of those things like we have deadlines things have to get done but it's really just about communication and as long as you're professional and communicate it's like okay like even with me like my ep steven was finally like will you just put yourself on the calendar from three to four as out of the office and i'm like why he's like because every fucking day your kid comes up and wants you to hang (laughs) out making allowances for things that we didn't have to make allowances for before and for me it's just been really 
nice seeing everybody's home and and being in everybody's lives in a different way it's, it's to barton's point like making us feel i think like more connected you know and when our clients are on the phone that's been really special i i would agree a hundred million percent with barton it's creating personal connections on a deep 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 level like to ryan's point that's gonna be like in 10 years when we're working together on another job and on a shoot or whatever, going to be like, remember pandemic, <laughs> all of those, <laughs> you know, oh, it was good old pandemic. Like, war stories. It's like all of these jobs are going to be like little mini war stories that kind of carry us through into the future. You know, we're going to have gone through it together and it's going to cement, it's going to cement relationships you've already had and create new and immediately cemented relationships if you do right by your client. So I love it. I mean, I was on a call with like, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was on the call with James Gunn and my daughter Rocket like walked in and sat on my lap and I was like, James, be mm-hmm. Rocket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a really yeah. sweet moment and mm-hmm. it was so adorable and like never in a million years would that have happened, you know? Right. Yeah. I would never bring something like that up and, you know, it was one of those things and it's just like, it's just real life. Right. It's yeah. just real, real life. Yeah. You know? No. You know, yeah. like the dog on your desk, she farts and you're like making the face. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, the dog just farted so bad. It just makes it real, you know? It's just real. So it's kind of fun. See, for, I'd like to. For us. Well, so, sorry. I'll, this is actually a question for you, Barton. Uh, and this is probably something you're already getting to. But um, when I set my own hours, which are basically any time. Um, I enjoy <laughs> having the daytime to take care of the pandemonium and the emails and the phone calls, and the nighttime it's like switch to creative mode. Now, Barton, with you having people local, um, are people setting their own hours? Um, how is all of that when, working? When we were when we were working remote. Well, well, remote and and people in the office. Is there flexibility and like when you can come in, when you leave? And, oh, and yeah. Do, so. You know, and do you force Under, people to leave and say, no, you need to go hang out with your family? So, I mean, you know that I've been pretty vocal about our work environment and we stick to 40 to 45 hours a week. I ask that don't, please don't work 39.5. That'll just irritate me. <laughs> you know. But if I, if I can get 40 to 45 hours and then if we're over 45 hours, uh, we typically know that that's about to happen because something big came up and it's going to inconvenience people. And we end up paying overtime. So having kind of put that out there and people know that about our studio, uh, when the pandemic hit and we started working remote, I also know what it's like to work from home. I did it as a freelancer establishing ABC. And and what happens is, to your point, um, you're answering emails all day and then, uh, you know, your kids come home at three o'clock from school and you feel like a bad dad if you don't play with them outside. You play with them outside but then dinner's almost ready, but it's not quite ready. It'll be ready in an hour, but that's not enough time to go do any work. Yeah. So next thing you know, dinner happens, you're tucking the kids in bed, yep. and you actually haven't worked since 3 o'clock. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so you ended up working from, say, 9 in the morning till maybe 3 o'clock. You had an hour lunch yep. break hanging out with your wife and your kids or whoever's home during the pandemic. Um, and so... By the time 9 p.m. rolls around, you've technically only put in four or five hours for the day. 
And so next thing you know, you're working from home and you think you're working from 9 a.m. to about midnight every day just to get in an eight hour day. Right. Um, So, you know, we just kind of communicated that. And it's like, look, I know we're working remote, but there's there's going to be basically we can't control this from like nine to five or nine to six um, under these circumstances. Like, go take your kids for a walk. Like mm-hmm. there's, if you're sitting at your desk from nine to six and you're not moving and you're not budging, you're, you're a bad parent. So go, <laughs> like and your you're kids need you to clot. take a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we know that that is okay. Just give us a heads up. Like, Hey, I'm going to be out for two hours. I'm going to go to the playground. And, yeah. You know, take right. my hand sanitizer and wipe. Down yeah. The right. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I wonder too, like, do you think this might be the beginning of a shift of the industry with the hours and like work-life balance and, and all that? So, yeah. So to that point, I was literally having this conversation with one of our um, IT guys this week. And, and I was saying, you know, I don't want to be like old and stuck in my ways. Uh, I want to consider, you know, potentially hiring remote full-time employees mm-hmm. at some point. And in the conversation, it came out and said, well, why would you hire remote people to work the same hours as you? That doesn't make sense. If you're going to hire a remote full-time employee, Mm -hmm. hire somebody over in Australia or Mm -hmm. in the UK or in Ghana or wherever. Give them revisions. You'll wake up and the revisions are done. Like it's pointless to have a remote team Mm -hmm. in the same time zone as you. Um, I love so, Martin, I love that you're saying that and you're not saying it on the financial side because I've heard so many people say the opposite where they're like, oh, going to hire somebody, you like hire half staff remote full time, but do it because you can get them at like 20% cost or 30% cost. Yeah. I love that you're talking oh, about it like yeah. as a creative advantage and not right. just as a financial advantage. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, th- that that becomes a challenge too for people in the United States. If like if remote working uh-huh. is the future then I might only need a few in the United States and I might want more in all different time zones. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Keep the work going that. all the time. Yeah. I would agree with that. The one, the one person, the one personality or position we haven't talked at all about, especially with all this and with the future is, is the producer. Like what, <sighs> what is the role of your guys producers been during all this? Because we don't, we don't have that represented here, but I can imagine that this has been wildly difficult for a producer mm-hmm. who has to manage projects, manage all those varying times that people are on and off and when they're going to get what and who it goes and like who it goes to like how how hard has it been for you guys to keep your producers motivated and inspired and like has it been a challenge at all no they're they're doing great i mean they're like mission control (laughs) you know like they're they're the ones that really know what the creative director's on when they're looking at things. They're the ones updating shot lists or making sure the shot lists are getting updated. Uh, you know, more than ever, the creative director and the producer is, it's like, again, cementing a partnership mm-hmm. because they have to be much more dependent on each other than ever before. Hey, can you take a look at so-and-so? I'm still on the phone with this fucking person. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so, you know, like you have to develop that over time, but this has definitely, um, yeah. So I would say like my guys and gals have really stepped up and, um, 
kind of taken ownership over their jobs. I talk a lot about ownership of work because it, you know, if everybody feels ownership of it, then then it turns out great. If the client feels ownership, if the person paying for it, the client client own, feels ownership over it. If mm-hmm. my artists feel ownership over it, if I feel ownership over it, if everybody has a sense of like, this couldn't have been done without me, like mm-hmm. everybody wins. That's yeah. that's my job as the creative director, the person at Sorowski, to make sure every single person along the way wants to put it on their reel, wants to take ownership mm-hmm. over the project. You know, that's yeah. the, the win at the end of the day. That's how they keep clients, you know, and artists happy, though, mm-hmm. feeling that value. That leads a little bit into this next question, which is how does everybody stay creative during all of this dealing with all of this and not just Mm -hmm. dealing with the situation at work and how you deal with things from a technical standpoint and a collaborative standpoint, but also dealing with what's going on in the world, what's going on uh, with the pandemic uh, what's going on with politics, what's going on with everything going around and the stress of that. Yeah, I think it's it's been a crazy year for that. And there have been moments during the year where the having having the projects and having a creative outlet for these projects was the only thing that kept sanity. Mm. Um, So it worked in favor more often than it than it didn't. Um, I don't I don't think there were too many times where we were just like, I can't be creative right now. Um, it it kind of had the opposite effect where it was like, right. I want to know nothing about what's going on <laughs> Just, on the internet. I don't yeah. want to mm-hmm. see who's fighting on Facebook. I don't want any of that. I just want to dive into Cinema 4D and never leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And think, it's been an escape said, for me. Yeah. 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 Work has been an escape. As a studio, the best work we've ever done this year. And unfortunately, most of it can't release until fall next year. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's been in that sense, we've done some of the best work we've ever done. But it it was it's very impressive. And and our artists are incredible for doing what they've done, uh, because there there were moments where it's just like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to hear another thing about masks. I don't want to, you know, yeah, like yeah. all the things. And it's like, you just want to throw your hands up and be like fed up with everything. And then, you know, these guys over here are keeping it together and they're doing something amazing. And then tomorrow you have a better day. You don't care what's happening with the presidency and you dive back in and you're creative, you know? So I think we kind of all kind of carried the burden with each other. We had some very fast turn jobs this year. I don't know about you, but like right when the pandemic hit, like every we had we were finishing a bunch of jobs, which we knew we were going to be busy for at least a month just because of that. But um, everything in the pipeline evaporated. So we were like, yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Is this the end? Like, okay, like. Literally by the end of March, not only were the projects being canceled, but our contacts were like, I'm not sure if I'm getting laid off tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every, like, it was just like, okay. Oh my, it was just like one of those surreal moments where you're just like, this could be the end. And like, at least it's not my fault. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. 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 It was intense, and I kept saying, like, guys, like, we have work. Like, we're happy. We have work. Like, be grateful. We have work. Everybody's <laughs> losing their jobs. Everybody's yeah. like, we have work, and I know we're going to be okay for a couple of months because of it. And so that's awesome, right? So, I mean, like, we're not paycheck to paycheck, thank God. But, like, if if we go a month or two without work, there's, like – that's crazy. There's no more comfort. Right. You know, you need yeah. like income, you need stuff in the pipeline. And so, so that was moving and we had that under control and everybody was like, yep, we got this. We're cool. And then a giant like boost campaign hit. And it was just like, okay, again, we're grateful guys. We got yeah. this. Like we're happy to be yeah. working. We, we don't have any place to go anyway. And then it got to be like, oh my God, we can't, keep doing this <laughs> like <laughs> it's gonna be the way the whole year is like yeah what's happening and I think like people were like I know my team was looking to me and like leadership to be like you know we can't keep working like this there's also this crazy thing going on in the world that we are very aware of and like this is a lot emotionally and we can't be working um you know, just chasing the revisions. It wasn't like it was super hard work. It was just like every day there was feedback and then you're in this loop and then it goes out, but then there's, okay, well now there's all new offers. So you're, you're keeping going on it. Plus, you know, and so, but that like kept happening. So that's when we really just decided to just bulk up on the freelance side, build out every workstation in the studio, make it available via Terra DG because those are clients that are our clients. Like we have to be able to service work that right. delivers, you know? So, but everybody was firing on all cylinders and was like, and I think like the creative people out there, right? Like the agencies or in it, whether it's an internal agency or an agency that's for hire, um, they were working feverishly to like respond to deal with the fact that they can't shoot, to deal with the fact that they could shoot, they could do it like this. Every day they had like all these new pitches for the client and we would get calls like, okay, here's the three directions that are on the table. Would you be able to do any of these? Like, what should we show? What should we not show? Which is a great partnership to have, you know? But you got this sense of like, until something, every, every day things were changing on their side too. So it's not like they were getting any lead time. Like just there were all these production issues and then there was all these societal issues that everything was like a minefield. So yeah. by the time there was a deadline and they had to get stuff on the air, there was literally no time to make it. So for me, it was about like, Oh man, these are my people. These are my main, main, main clients. Mm -hmm. I, I turn on everything, but that, <laughs> <laughs> and we focus no matter how cool this all this other stuff is we focus on making sure our main clients are well taken care of you know and 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 then to make sure the team is taken care of we really bulked up and made sure that um if there was going to be weekend work that we could transition it to a freelancer that was also on the project and then of course you have to communicate with the freelancer hey we're booking you because like we got to give our, our team some 
some breathing room. So if there are revisions over the weekend, and I'm telling you there will be, like, you got to be available for it. You know what I mean? Like, that is the condition of the booking. It's like, yeah, say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that is going to be your week, you know? And so we started to be able to plan more and, and to work like that. And it got a lot better. You know, it got a lot better once we started to realize like, Oh, we're not just, we're not lucky. We're alive here. We're, we're doing pretty good. And now we got to start taking care of everybody. Cause it's just, it got to be like way too much very quickly. We, we had a very similar situation with us, you know, right as the pandemic hit, we, we didn't have any work. And so I was really worried because everyone in the in our Slack and stuff started talking like there's no work coming in. And so we start worrying that this is a permanent thing and mm-hmm. immediately jumped into our budget. How much can I afford to not pay myself? Right. You know, uh, uh, just in case this is a continue. And how long will it last? Yeah. Um, and we got just as lucky. Um, a month later, we picked up a really big job that kept us through until the end of the year, and then some. Right. And um, what's interesting to me, though, was with this work, it hit outside of our normal, like, uh, uh, so you have lulls and ups and downs that you come to expect every year. Totally and this year. Yeah. Completely different this year. Like, we were busy from. April on and normally November, December is our crazy busy time that covers us through January, February, March, April. But this year we've, we've had nothing in December because a good majority of our work has been live events events, and Christmas Christmas gatherings and stuff. And Mm -hmm. no one's doing it this year. Yeah. So Barton's on the move. Barton's on the move. You go start (laughs) shooting. Set up a, Oh, get, get a real cake up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll shoot some yeah, baskets I mean, here. I was kind of alluding to that earlier, too. Like, I I had a, a lull in work, and I feel like a lot of my clients were like, had that oh shit moment, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, now what? And it took some time to rethink how they were going to roll things out. Right. And once they did, the influx of projects started coming in, and they started yeah. coming in fast and furious, you know? Right. Um, yes. And yeah, so through that, not only are those projects coming in, but again, these are a lot of people new to animation and and motion graphics. So you're also doing all the education and the handholding through the process. And I mean, a few times that almost killed me because I was just spending so much time like really educating them why we need to do the style frames and do this. And it, it was just... You know, uh, like Dave Producer. said, you're doing that all day, and then at night, right? Yeah. You start getting creative. You yeah. Know? So, um, gosh, I kind of yeah, want some coffee now. Yeah, no, that's like for real. We've we've definitely landed a few new clients this year that I know are going to be good long term clients. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for any studio, probably about our size, you want like three consistently churning stuff out. Like you you should think of them as kind of retail clients because they're going to do at least a couple things a quarter mm-hmm. or at least at something every quarter. And that's like the closest thing we get to contract work. Yeah. And 
if one of those goes away, you better have something else in the pipeline because that's going to be, things are going to get tight if you don't. So we we were really lucky we landed a, a couple extra. Um, but we were also really lucky. A lot of our stuff is in the communications industry and what right now is yeah. going gangbusters. Yeah. Fiber internet and making sure your cell phone works and yeah. Yeah. you know all those kind of things and getting a cheaper plan if you got laid off like all of those things have to be communicated to customers so um we're here to communicate that yeah. <laughs> you know but that's also what makes like the backbone of a healthy creative company not only are we doing great creative work for them it's you know more businessy but it it creates a good financial bedrock to do the job right. you want to do. We've done a bunch of documentaries this year, not just the ones that we made, but we've helped on a few others. And those are like for nothing. Like, mm -hmm. what do we, you know, um, we've we've had a couple of main titles in the mix that, you know. FITC, have, have, yeah. Oh, my God, FITC. <laughs> <laughs> I was like right at, yeah, forget mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That was, you know. <laughs> That feels like 7,000 years It ago. does. <laughs> it does. And that was such a beautiful piece. But, like, we've, we've, as a studio, been investing in, like, really beautiful projects um, so that there is this this great balance. And we talk very openly about that balance. There is not one without the other. There mm -hmm. has to be both to have a healthy studio. Um, and so, yeah, I just have like a lot of gratitude for everything, how it's gone down this year. But it, there was so much anxiety. There was so yeah. much anxiety because it was yeah. just like, oh, I think it's going to be a good year. We're about to film all the <laughs> stuff and then, like everything shuts down. And you're just, you know, like you, can, you can't possibly explain like to Barton's point, like everybody that you employ, they have kids and families. And that is no joke they have obligations yeah they have a beautiful reel also and they can go shop their wares but if we're going out of business a lot of places are going out of business mm -hmm. you yeah. know and what does that mean about our industry and all that stuff so <sighs> yeah I'm so, ahead, it's something i was curious about because you always kind of hear about how tight uh studios are run and the overhead that they mm -hmm. have to deal with uh, not to turn it into gossip hour or anything like that, but I don't think I heard of any big studios going under during the pandemic. And I, I thought I may have, would have heard about something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that just me or. I mean, there, there's definitely, definitely some names that, that I think cut it close. And I think um, this last big push for like Christmas buying season helped yeah. everyone out. Mm -hmm. like, like anybody yeah. who was slow, but had customers in the past, that I, yeah. I think a lot of agencies and a lot of brands held out until post-election and mm -hmm. like yeah. seeing what yeah. the, the late fall, early winter was going to be COVID related in terms of like spending. Was it all going to be virtual? Were people locking down even financially? And I think there was just a big gasp of relief and people just started spending ad spend like crazy because they had it in their budget and they yeah. didn't spend yeah. that much. So it's just yeah. like release the hound. And that's why so many people are so busy right now. But I know, I, I know of a couple of studios that it was like, they're battening down the hatches for like, do we shut down for a month and just like put people like furlough people furlough. and don't, don't lay anybody off, but just basically like hold tight yeah. to see what happens. And I think that's why we haven't seen it come out yet that anybody like actually yeah. shut down, but it was close. I know, I know for a couple of like decent, decently sized shoppers. Sure. That was close. 
Yeah. I mean, that's encouraging, though, that it wasn't kind of like widespread panic and news of. of yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and yeah. Matt, yeah, but like talk to like production, production companies, live action production companies. Right. The good thing about them is yeah. they don't have the overhead we have. They're right. producers and yeah, but they all let their social media managers go and they're any kind of like assistant anything was like out the door. Like yeah. it was got real quiet for them and things are picking up a little bit overseas, but and 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 doing stuff even though they shouldn't be doing stuff but like mm -hmm. yeah it's a you know weird time matt was for them. I, I bet matt's probably thinking the same thing that i was I just now which is <laughs> that he says we didn't get any work in december we did and it's because it, of those people holding out on budgets yeah, and now it's all of a sudden we got one laid in our lap today that's like we want to pay you outright to start on this big project right now because we have this leftover budget. So, yeah. It, yeah. I've heard stories of people just literally saying, can we just block the rest of your time? Like your, whatever capacity you have from now until like January 3rd or January 5th, we, we don't know how we'll use it, but we just basically want to reserve the right to use you until, yeah. you know, until then. And how yeah. Ryan, how is and as much as you can say, like how has it affected people and their online education you know we we yeah. sell a couple classes but y'all sell a lot yeah. of classes yeah and we, you know we how were that? nervous we were definitely nervous that that first semester the first semester after everybody was really not just staying home but like not working that, that was scary because it's not just it's not just people here it's globally right like that was mm -hmm. the thing that was scary was that you know, even before it hit the states it was hitting europe it was hitting southeast asia and we're like how how hard is this going to hit people and how long? Um, thankfully, it really seems like people are using this time as like a time to double down on themselves. Yeah, like, our numbers, uh, our numbers didn't dip. They went up. I mean, they didn't, I wouldn't say skyrocketed, but I think that there's definitely, it's been yeah. every, I think we've had three semesters since this got real and we haven't been, we haven't been hurting. And we've, ha we've actually seen a lot of people ask like, how can they get in the door without like blowing the, the, the bank account? And we've reacted a pretty pretty strongly. That we created a, a community inclusion scholarship um, that we've run, I think, two or three times now. And I don't know the exact numbers, but it's in I think it's in the hundreds that we offered, where we offered, you know, like essentially like apply for it, and there's a free class waiting for you. Um, and that's been great because once you get into School of Motion, um, the nice yeah. thing is that the alumni status is is continual, right? Like once you're there, you mm -hmm. have that network of people, you know, just like going to school, right? Like if you yeah. go two semesters, right. people you walked with. They're there and they're available. And that's been really eye-opening to really remind myself that, like, this is a global pandemic. Like, it's been really – you feel it yeah. very acutely when you're talking to somebody in Africa and you're talking to somebody in Southeast Asia and somebody in Dublin. And they're literally all going through the same thing, right? It's yeah. the same root cause. It's the mm. same problem. Yeah. The same yeah. fear. Like, in that way, I feel like the community – like, you talk about getting closer to your clients or closer mm. to your – I feel closer to the community – at large than I think I ever have, which is weird to say because we haven't seen each other yeah. for like a yeah. year. But it, sure. it's been cool to see the distance even get short in there where like we're all feeling the same pain, right? Like it, it, we're all talking a lot more than we were doing before. Well, the world just got smaller. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we all have this collective yeah. experience, you know, that no matter where you are right now, somebody you meet in 10 years, you're going to talk about your experience and it doesn't matter where in the world they are so the world got smaller and you know we all became more connected to each other um and that's just the reality 
uh, Carlo is saying in the chat, you know, um, about is talking about teaching at a community college and the technology or the the lack of access to technology, I guess, has been crippling. You know, there's kids trying to get into labs and things. Yeah. Um, now I know a lot of people are are doing things like, uh, for example, Andrew Price was talking about the search terms for uh, for learning Blender. Uh, doubled mm -hmm. during COVID, you know, compared to where it would have been in its its yeah. current trend. How do you know? I guess that you know, in that particular situation, is because it is a free piece of software. But what about mentoring? What about that whole aspect of coming up under somebody else or learning from someone in person, which can sometimes be so valuable to turn and look to the person you right or your left and say, "How do I make this happen?" And they're like, "Oh, you just this. press yeah. that button," instead of having yeah. to teach yourself just constantly or go take a bunch of classes mm -hmm. i mean i i don't know about you guys but i feel like um like twitter and slack have just kind of like lit up and i'm sure yeah. in other places too in discord and twitch streams like even like looking at like brother and sister industry like like animation vfx like the amount of people that are offering up training or offering up gumroads or running their own discord servers where people are just basically doing what we're doing but they just run it during the day right like you watch somebody sitting boarding for a TV show and people are asking questions. And you know, I feel like there's the traffic for conversation about what we do is increased tenfold, whether it's like just like official or it's like you're doing, you know, like a gaming session over the weekend and it stuff yeah. comes up like the flow of information been better than I've ever seen it. Have you, um, have you happened to jump on, on any of like Winbush's weekend gaming streams or anything like that? Uh, not, not yet, but I want to. I I think sounds that, like a uh, porn site name. No, well, we we kind of you know we've done a little bit of that, and and we we kind of got this group of guys together who play Halo, and but they're just they just happen to all be graph you know motion graphics people, and it feels like this release like it's. I swear, honey, we're just playing Halo. Yeah, Beyonce fans. Yeah, three in the morning. Yeah, no, but but we we felt like we were talking about this the other day because we're sitting there poning noobs on on the internet. And uh, we're talking about the fact that is, this kind of started for us right at the beginning of COVID, and we slowly started adding people onto it. And mm -hmm. now we have this incredible group, and we're all playing, but we're also venting, and we're also talking to each other about yeah, graphics yeah. and about life and all this. It really helped us. Um, you know, I guess one of my questions is going to be kind of going down that road is what have you done during all of this? outside of doing the day to day that has really helped you get through this and de-stress. Um, I know, you know, there's family and there's things like that too, but what's been your big thing? This has been like the hardest fucking year of my life. Are you yeah. kidding? Like yeah. it's, it's a hundred percent survival mode. Just a hundred percent. You know, we're having a, finally, like, it's the end of the year, so I can say, like, we're having a good year, right? Like, we made it. But I'm at the finish line <laughs> saying that. In November, I would have been like, oh, we'll see. I don't know. Like, what's happening here? It's been total survival mode. Just every, everything about it. Every day is just like, okay, I wake up. 
I go, I have my hour with the baby, I make her some breakfast to like, I come up to my room, I sit down, people love my wallpaper, I feel good about myself, like, you know, <laughs> I try and make the Zoom calls right, you know, I make I make sure people have a little laugh and, and just see that we're all people and I try not to take things too seriously. Um, you know, and, and you, you just go, but then like, as soon as I walk away, there's this little kid, like, that's like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, done, you know? And then I'm in that mode. And then it's, it's literally like, there's been a couple of days. I like, didn't leave the second floor. My husband came up and just like put plates of food. Like I'm a stray cat, you know, <laughs> just like leaves with plates of food. I'm just like, Oh my God. It's, literally it's it's gotten like that because it's call to call to call to call like yeah. i still am not at the place with my company that it's sarovsky so they expect to see sarovsky like you know sometimes i have to make choices which call i'm going to be on of these two or three calls but like i always have to be somewhere you know Steve will be like, they need to see your face, you know, like get in on this call, you know, they need some mama time. So it's, it's really important. And that's actually something like from a bigger business perspective, like making sure my creative directors feel empowered to elevate, take ownership of their careers, not just in our studio, but in the broader community of motion graphics and advertising. Um, and where I'm like, this year was like the full total realization that that absolutely has to happen you know, for this to continue, not just to grow, but to be, you know, to be sustainable. So every day for me is just survival. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way. Absolutely. 100%. There, there, I, 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 there's been so many breakdowns that I've had during this entire pandemic <laughs> where just dealing with, I mean, having a newborn, I've got a newborn, you know, yeah. And dealing with a seven-year-old, you know, and then, and I, 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 it sounds selfish, but like, I'm, I'm used to having my own space, my office, you know, yeah. during the day with no distractions and having lots of distractions this whole year. It's, it's like, I, 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 I broke down a couple times where I'm just like, yeah. I don't know if I can do this, if yeah. I can yeah. physically do this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that I noticed, like, even before the, the pandemic, when I started working remotely, you lose out on your commute. Your commute might be five minutes. Your commute might be an hour or two hours. But it's that time to leave work and kind of just like, <sighs> yeah. And now that time is the door just swings open. And to me, that was really tough at the beginning because you never really got that time to kind of decompress out of work for a, even a few minutes and, and you know, come home to family. Um, and I think everyone's now experiencing that together. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, I would say, a learning process. I still have trouble with it sometimes, you know, um, but it has gotten better. But, you know, um, that was a, kind of a rude awakening at first. Yeah, you definitely have to get into rhythms. Mm -hmm. You know, 
But with kids, like sometimes you're in a groove and as soon as you feel like you got it, like you can't yeah. ever, <laughs> as soon yeah. as you have that feeling, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like I'm, it happened yeah. today, actually. I, mean, I was in the edit and just, oh. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm working on a lot of micro shifts. Like I'm working on like, even in like an hour or two hour shift, okay, like this is work, this is family time, this is 15 minutes to eat. Even within that, there's like, 10 minute micro shifts within those shifts. And it's like impossible, impossible to find flow whatsoever. Like it just doesn't exist. Like you, you're almost training yourself to like, you crave it and you almost have to just like push it. Like, no, you can't zone out on one thing for an hour. It's three minutes. It's seven minutes. Or it's like, um, I've gotten really good at time tracking and like, like delaying and pushing things and like being okay with like, okay, I I have that problem, but I will not be able to focus on it until nine o'clock at night. Yeah, and I find myself like craving, just like okay, you know what? I can't wait to I can't wait to cook dinner or wash dishes or do the laundry because that's going to be my seven and a half minutes where my brain can do the other thing while my body's doing something, and that's been mm-hmm. really, really hard to just accept because I think I, for the first six months of this, I fought it as hard as I could, right. and now I've just like embraced the yeah, stuff a little bit yeah. and just been like, there's got to be a, a way within this to still like be. If you never knew you were really an artist, I think this really challenges you as an artist just mentality wise mm-hmm. like because you can't think the way you normally think you can't yeah. act the way you normally like you can't use time the way you use it and if something comes up you've got almost like write write it down put it over yeah. here yeah. get it off your mind but one of the things mm-hmm. that really helped me not having much driving time at all i didn't have that much driving time to begin with but it really declined you know during covid is i started running and that's kind of my time to think about everything I did that day, everything I want to do later that day. I mean, running is boring. <laughs> running can be really boring, especially in flat Dallas. There's nothing to look at. And, uh, you know, it's just suburbs. And uh, yeah, so but then you, gotta you should shower. be. Yeah, try riding somewhere. It's a big yeah. investment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and there's uh, something about having that time. Yeah just to think about everything that you want to do, everything you did today, everything that you want to do later today, which is, it's a great way to split up your day. Um, everything mm-hmm. that you want to do the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year. And that's something I've made a point of doing. And not only has it been great in just kind of, it's almost meditative, but it's also a great way to forget about the fact that you're actually running. Uh, and Barton, <laughs> I, I know that you've been, doing tons of exercise during this um yeah i mean that's early on it just it got so discouraging to be really open and transparent just losing respect for people because of their social media stances on this that or the other and people that i've looked up to for years and you just see them arguing on facebook filling their Instagram feed with political posts. And it's like, first of all, Instagram's not for political posts. <laughs> Keep that on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like you have to go a lot link. of effort to figure out how to do a political post uh, on Instagram. Facebook, you just share yeah. a link. People you know worthy I mean? in order to do a political <laughs> right. post. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I honestly got to a point where it was like night times. I, I couldn't stand night times uh, from the sense that, I'm not really going to watch TV because if I'm watching TV, it's going to be pandemic stuff is on TV. I don't want to get on social media because I'm just seeing everybody argue and fight and post articles and all this stuff. And so 
I wanted nothing to do with any of that. So yeah, Dave, to your point, um, I started just working out more than I had in the past and, uh, and felt like, you know what, if you all are going to post political posts, I'm going to post workout videos on my Instagram (laughs) (laughs) of me working out at home. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, and while you all are sitting there getting angry, um, I'm getting some exercise and burning some stress. Yeah, yeah, I do something similar, except like not working out. I post <laughs> stupid right here, shit. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> except the opposite of working out. But it's not that I'm like, my Facebook thing. I every once in a while, it, you know how in the edit room you always talk about weird shit mm. that pops up, and you're like, "Oh my god, you went to that place as a kid," or da 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 da. Well, I started to, like, post those questions on Facebook, like, uh, what was your favorite horror movie as a child that, like, kept you up at night? Or the one I posted, and I do this, like, once every other week, whenever there's, like, a legitimate question. And the one I did, like, two days ago was, like, um, what store did you shop at as a child that doesn't exist anymore? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a I, like, went back to check it because I don't keep Facebook on my phone. So I went to, like, actively check it to say thank you for all the birthday wishes. And boom, there were, like, a hundred answers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. But it's a way for people to, like, have a voice and to talk. And my favorite thing is when I know people don't know each other, like a high school friend and, you know, like an ad agency, ECD. Uh. <laughs> each other shit i'm like yeah like i just put positivity into this hellhole you know it it feels good it feels really good to like to barton's point find uh, a way to kind of lead by example so to speak i think yeah i think that's one of the like like the best cure-alls just for like social media is like instead of like, like saying something saying a statement just asking a question like it sounds so dumb, but like that—that's when all the like when all those things started. It was full of that kind of stuff, right? Like when t- Twitter started, yeah. so people just having conversations and asking questions yeah. instead of standing out and saying what they believe in. Like, like, I almost wish there was like a social media where that's literally all that you could do. Like, you yeah. literally could just be like, ask a question, and then the responses are all in a place where you can like have an answer because it would be so much more interesting just to see like even random stuff like that. Like the moment you said that, I was like, oh my god, there's so many stories I wish I could go back to yeah. that don't <laughs> exist. And like, and that the conversations are that sparks. That's awesome. I have an yeah. alumni. And then, like, for gifts, and then like an old friend from Rochester is like, they still exist in Rochester. I'm like, <laughs> well, just because they haven't had enough money to close the store. And she's like, well, it's more of a section now. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> there's an alumni uh, group on my Facebook from uh, the year that I graduated my high school, and somebody posted a very similar question the other day about what do you miss that was in our town growing up? And it was like the greatest post. It was just like everybody reminiscing. So yeah, yeah. that's the kind of like connectivity people are craving. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me ask this. Um, where, where do you think the industry is headed after this? You know, like, I mean, what yeah. would, yeah, what would you, where where do y'all, ex, like, hope that this goes? So, my hopes and dreams for this industry. Well, live action is going to come back. I think Ryan's right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a oh, tidal wave. Yeah. It's coming. So many band, brands are based on humanity. And for clients, humanity means people. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, yeah. I think, you know, there's just 
that's just a reality and they can't wait to get the cameras rolling. Um, so that's cool. That's always going to be a big live action is like what it is. But I, I do think, yeah, people are starting to lean into design um, kind of like they did back when I started, you know, where it was a little bit more either typography and kinetic type and i fucking love that shit and it like went away <laughs> for years it was gone it was all yeah. like you know fuck with the beautiful fucking character illustrations and i'm like i don't want to do cell animation i'm not an animator like that you know i want to i want to move type around i'm a designer i want to do motion design and sometimes live action is a part of it but like that's the high rocket that's <laughs> <laughs> what we're talking about exactly oh you want to blow out the candle <laughs> so that's the stuff I I know it's very smoky um, that's the stuff like I can it is here and I think it's here for a few years because people are like rooting their brands in it and I absolutely love that stuff so if anybody knows me on Instagram they know everything has like my daughter's face like kind of cropped out of it in all these fun weird ways so you're being exposed <laughs> Jeff asked um, to add to that question uh, what th to what Matt was asking what things processes techniques technologies um, are you planning on keeping that you've added it's a good this question year? Oh, yeah it's a really good question mm -hmm. processes like is is going to become a permanent staple of your pipeline from now on yeah I think so We'll definitely at least have a few workstations that uh, have it going. I think it's also like an added benefit. Like one of the things I was thinking as, as some people were talking was like, what I'm hopeful most is that women that decide to have children won't leave the industry because there's less flexibility, right? Like they can come home, deal with all the things. And then once that's away, you can like pop back in and keep going. And I think the fear for a lot of women is that they won't be able to keep up like they did before. Mm -hmm. right. And and it's really like, we can keep going at night. It's totally fine. But like, there'll be a lot more flexibility there. So that's, I mean, I think that's like my super hope. And even that guys will then become more engaged with their families because they can pop home. Yeah, you know? yeah for sure. You know, yeah. or do pick up at three from school, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Get yeah. them all set up at home or whatever after school thing. And then they can pop back on and they don't have to be in the studio. They can do those two or three hours. And as long as it's accounted for in the schedule, it'll be fine. You know? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I'm joking, you. <laughs> Anything else anybody want to add? Uh, hopefully I got to everybody in the chat. I hope we touched on anything. If there's anything else yeah, anybody would like in the chat, you know, now's the time. To Ryan, I'd like in. to hear from you and Barton about where y'all think the, where, what it's, what the future is looking like. For so that, it's a two-sided question. There, there's the, where I want it to go and where I think it's going to go. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, for me, I, I hope that more people from outside of motion design in the creative arts industries discover motion design and realize all the benefits, like what Aaron was saying is here, right? I know a lot of people that are print designers, a lot of people working in animation, working in VFX that are getting ground into paste. And if they understood that 
there's a place here waiting for them and it's like reasonable hours there's a place to create your own brand there's a place to create your own identity that doesn't exist in those places we need them here right we need different faces different voices different ages different like different everything so the ocean graphics echo chamber doesn't exist like that's my hope i hope that happens and i hope yeah. that we um mm-hmm. i hope we still continue i think piggyback on what aaron said we still haven't really seen a generation make it to retirement in motion design yeah so yeah. young yeah. I, I hope we actually get to see it see it through and i think the pandemic and all the changes may actually make that happen um yeah i i I, I hope that happens. Um, I'm actually people's going to retire it. once he sells all of his crypto oh, art. After today, yeah. right? Like yeah. after today, yeah, right? I, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I, have, I haven't seen that many people in the chat today, but I do. Crypto art is like so controversial right now, but it's the first time I've seen motion designers actually take advantage of the fact that we are artists, like capital A artists, yeah. and there's yeah. money to be made outside of the stuff we mm-hmm. make for other clients, right? Like more than any other creative arts industry everybody here is uniquely positioned to make something that somebody else will buy just because it's something beautiful or it's interesting or it's thoughtful and it doesn't the work you do right now doesn't have to disappear the day after it goes on here right right but yeah. so many people just have accepted that that we literally at camp mograph right last year we got into an argument when i was doing a fireside chat about what we actually are like we basically said we're, we make commercials we're just like everybody else but we just make commercials our stuff like ephemeral it's temporary and I, I really disagree with that. I think that there's, there's so much about the way we work that's different. So I hope that crypto art explodes into a bunch of other things. It may be a money laundering scheme. I don't know. It may be a million. <laughs> I don't know which way it's going to go, but I think hopefully it just opens people's eyes. Um, my fear is that um, with, with real time coming, with Blender coming, with the ever lowering cost and a lot of people coming in, that um, we start taking all this new technology to our clients and just say we can do it cheaper and faster. And that, because I've seen it happen in visual effects, I've seen it happen in feature and TV animation that with technology, people just price themselves out and just turn into a commodity because I've already seen it. few people that have started putting out like real-time projects, they don't say, look what we made. We made something that's so different and we can turn into a product and it's interactive and it can be part of an experiential side of your campaign. Let us do more of the work. I just see people saying, look, we can do it faster and you can have more changes quicker. And that scares the shit out of me because that yeah. is like, there's, there's no way to recover from that. You pop that genie out and mm-hmm. just sell other set of tools by being faster and quicker. Um, I think there's a lot more to the new tools that are coming down the line for us to show that we are artists. We're not just craftsmen. We're not just people pounding tools to make money. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity, but I'm really scared of that. Yeah. Yeah. Barton, what about you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously AI is a big thing. People are concerned about like what jobs are going to be replaced by AI, things like that. I think I've, I've started looking at it um, from the perspective of what jobs do I want AI to replace? You yeah. know what I mean? So like, Roto-scoping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that I want AI to replace. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to wait for hours upon hours for something to render. Like, render, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for things to be real-time, uh, even if it's not the real time that we expect it to be, but in the next few years, it will be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited for for a day where, as a creative director, I can use voice and I can say, I need a 3D city block. No, I need it to look more like Brooklyn. Nope, I need it to look like Brooklyn, but with a little bit more graffiti. Actually, yeah. that's too much. In the graffiti. 1940s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Computer. Yeah. Literally, yeah. literally, via voice you would describe these things and in unreal or wherever the program is yeah they change and it's being created on the spot 
and I need it to be sunset and I need to have fog in there. And I think those things are, uh, are not necessarily artistic in nature Mm -hmm. and AI will start to replace those things. Um, it's incredible. It's absolutely mind blowing to me that maybe six months ago, we were looking at deep fakes that were being, you know, created by hundreds of computers yeah. and now it's an app on your phone have you guys yeah, seen yeah. those movie clips oh yeah oh yeah reface yes i mean six months ago what that took you know some geniuses that had hundreds of computers strung together to make the first really yeah. good ones and yeah. now it's like an app on your phone so uh, I, I don't know that we need to be scared by ai i think we just need to um keep the creative first and and you know there's no reason to be upset if it replaces your rotoscoping (laughs) portion of the project you know yeah Yeah, there was there was actually a really amazing commercial done fairly recently like mid-pandemic where i think it was a basketball player um couldn't get out of a bubble because they were in the playoffs so they actually the agency went and found a athlete that had the same body shape same kind of proportions they filmed him on set and then they got the athlete to go and take a bunch of different photos from different angles under really flat lighting. And then they used yeah. deep fake to put his face onto the, the athlete. Like that's a yeah. great way to just like, like creatively work around the restrictions and then open up so many more possibilities. Like I, I don't think AI is something to be afraid of. I think it just opens up, like you said, more time to do what we actually do. We, we are conceptual. We're creative. We're not getting paid for the, the roto. You know, like you that's not the... what we ever really Doing. The Trey Parker and Matt Stone uh, oh, so show. Yes. Uh, that uh, it was basically Trump's face on another actor, and then they took, you know, <laughs> uh, 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 a bunch of other famous people and stuck them on actors who did yeah. their voices really well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it was very, very. It was. It was crazy how good it was. Yeah. And yeah. the whole show was ho- basically yeah. hosted by Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I got a question Set for go. you all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's related to our industry, um, but it's probably not as popular yet in our industry is um, VR. So yeah. in my mind, if there was ever a time for VR to explode and become mainstream, it would have been in the last nine months. Yeah. Am I missing something here or is VR just dead? Like it's I, dead. It's terrible. It should have exploded. AR is fucking months. cool, but VR yes. is like, no, no, no. Yeah. And yeah, nobody yeah. was talking about AR. I'm like, AR is a real deal. AR is where you see the world around you and yes. stuff happens to it. It's like Fight Club. Remember yeah. the mm-hmm. like, IKEA catalog? Like, that's awesome where you can walk around IKEA on your phone and you can see yeah. all the prices. That's like, there's real life potential there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I could find that a thousand percent. Like, like I, th- I still think VR is so isolating whereas ar is just an overlay over what you already experienced and making what you already experienced better i will say i I do think when we start talking about working more experiential and interactive vr is a really great development tool like if you Mm -hmm. have a if you are pitching an architectural firm some type of experiential thing and you can put them in the place and they can interact with it yeah it's going B2B, though. It's not like no. consumer-facing, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I have this really cool. cool tool or use for it. But you're right, like a walkthrough of a, a location or city planning or anything. Or a, li- a live show. You're doing a live show and you don't want to just sit yeah. somebody from a monitor, but you want to say, okay, 
you have a musical artist and you want to put yeah. them in front of the stage, you want to put them in the back, you want to put them, you know, like if that is a way to convince someone to go with something so fast that mm-hmm. I think it will change the way certain companies do do their business. But I think we're like two generations of hardware away yeah. for VR to actually be compelling enough that AR will just take over it. And you can I, see yeah, it coming I, because when you use the Quest 2 right now and you do stuff mm-hmm. like just bring up the menu system and stuff, you are not in a virtual world. You're actually in your own in your, room. It's yeah. black and white, but it's stereoscopic. You can pick up your drink and have a sip or look at your yeah. f- phone or whatever, but you're in mm. your office or your room or wherever you are. Like I, I do VR in here and I walk around and the menus are all around me in my office. And, and mm. I think about the potential of where that's going to go with AR. Now, VR, yeah. you're right. It hasn't really exploded, but I have definitely used VR as kind of an escape uh, throughout yeah. this to, to just go mm-hmm. on a journey or go go play Half-Life. Alex, it's the most incredible, immersive thing, and you're just shooting at zombie oh, aliens, and, you know, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It'll become a thing if the porn industry figures out a way to make it work. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back to that. I don't know why it I'm always comes that. back to that. Though. <laughs> but, I mean, that's true. Like pushing humanity forward. That's why the internet became a thing, right? Yeah, and that's why VHS <laughs> prevailed <laughs> over beta. Yep. So <laughs> that really was really is. like a hilarious documentary. All the ways <laughs> porn has yeah. you know, pushed technology forward. It's a good idea. <laughs> Does anybody else have any other topics they want to hit? Any other questions? Um, I can't believe we've we've gone over two hours already. So, yeah, wow. to talk about. I just yeah. want to say thank y'all for being here. Uh, you know, yeah. take, taking your time for this this fun little. I mean, it's it's it is crazy how much has changed in thirteen months from us being at Camp Mograph to now. Yeah. yeah. And who knows how much things are going to change 13 months from now, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was like a month or two after camp, Matt and I flew out to Oregon to yeah. uh, go scope the new place we're having camp just yeah. outside of Portland. And we're like, we found like the perfect spot. Oh, this is so great. And like, yeah such a high and then like two months later just like yeah. shut down yeah, yeah. like yeah. probably not happening this year yeah. <laughs> yeah and you got me at the beginning of the, the pandemic saying there's no way this is gonna be till october yeah i mean camp is totally gonna happen yeah, <laughs> yeah i feel like all of us are intelligent worldly people right like we pay attention not just to our news but we knew what was going on in china we but like, just one day, it was like, you can't come back. There's no yeah, more, right. and it fucking knocked me on my ass. And I was like, oh my god, okay. Well, there's no way this is going past July. Yeah. And then in yeah. July, I like have this meltdown, like this come to Jesus moment, where it's like, this is it. This, yeah. this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. For yeah. A year. Yeah. <laughs> I had that and moment like that too. Really set in you know my my biggest thing was my daughter like oh i'll never be able to take my daughter on a playground again by the time this is over uh, she'll be too old for a playground you know yeah makes me sad sorry sorry (laughs) go ahead brian i would say we've talked so much about in the past about like the stability of the industry and like you know are there too many people doing it are we gonna but like it's been really encouraging to see industry stay strong right like not just like getting work and finding ways to keep afloat but 
doing things like this, right? Like people talking to each other, people having little discussions, people having bigger discussions, like the fact that it, it still exists and like we're still going forward. We're still finding work to do. We're finding new kinds of work to do. We're finding new kinds of clients to like rope in. Like Mark, what you were saying, like you're teaching clients about motion design. The fact that you're doing that and practicing that, that's like a skill that you don't think about ever that like, you know how to do that now. If you ever hear someone who might need motion design after this year, you'll know how to convince them how to come on board. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. It's hard to say that this has been a great thing for the industry because it's so awful outside, but there have been a lot of positives to come out of all of this, which is, yeah. you feel crazy yeah. saying it, but it feels good to say it too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm encouraged by school motion, to be really honest, and, and resources like that, although that's obviously like the main go-to one, because we, we are experiencing like a need for more talent and not everybody can go to SCAD. You know, that it's just not feasible. We talk about access to computers. We talk, so if like, if that's all you can afford, but you have some kind of gift for art and design and I have our little bit of a, a techie nerd, like that's your way in. And to your point, I've been so impressed with the network of people that have been in the school. They really look out for each other the way those gag kids look out for each other. And um, I, I think it's like a really awesome thing. And I think it's going to do a lot for underrepresented communities as a way in. I yeah, think for I mean, that's, sure. That's the biggest thing is like, it's, it's great to be able to say we can open the door to people that couldn't afford it. But I really think us and other people like it it's letting people know that the door exists, right? Yeah. Like there's so uh-huh. many people that if they could just crack into the, our little industry and right. see the support, see the community, see the, the pathway, like it's a very clear pathway of like, you yeah. learn this, you prove you can do this, you can find a place to work and now you can stay where you live. You don't even have to go to LA or New York or Chicago. Like uh-huh. that's the exciting thing that I've never understood why motion design is so collaborative and so friendly compared to VFX and the mm-hmm. music industry and the film but I don't even want to break that DNA apart. I just know that it yeah. exists and it always will. I just want to expose, I think school motions mission too, is to expose more people to this, right? That this exists and we're waiting here for you and we need you. Mm-hmm. There's just the path you need to go to get into it. So that, that's exciting. Yeah. Thing. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm not, you know, working at a shop because I think yeah. it's really exciting to be able to offer it to people. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about design in general is if you're going to school to be a graphic designer, if you are not exposed to motion design, you are not really a graphic designer anymore. Yeah, right. Like you have to have motion as a aspect. There, most graphic design is a living, breathing thing that right now. Narrative, yeah. like billboards are moving. Traditional print stuff is in motion. Even if it's a simple thing as a page turn on a device, mm-hmm. somebody had to mark that up. Somebody had to make yeah. the clickscapes and yeah. do all that work. So I, I think like. So if you are in a program, whether it's like a state school or even a good school, like a, like a Yale or something like that, like school motion is an amazing supplement to like, boom, level you into there. If you have some good, strong design foundations and you just need some like boosters into motion, like Mm -hmm. that's it. You know, you don't have to go get a master's degree somewhere, you know? I think it's really comparable to like 10, 15 years ago if you were doing print design but you didn't understand anything with the web. Like right. it, was, yeah. it became ubiquitous, yeah. right? Like you had to understand the web. And I, now it. if you want to learn design, you have to understand you know, the complexities of motion. Now, even if it's a button press, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to understand the implications of how your design fundamentals get expressed mm-hmm. through motion, even if you're not the one doing it, right? Like 
Even right. if you're the one who's handling it to somebody. You have to be able to knock it up, show somebody. Yeah, and yeah. you have to understand the, the needs of it no matter what. So, yeah, it, that's yeah. honestly I, my, pet, my, my pet project at School of Motion is trying to convince people that the making the thing that you have to move is as exciting and sexy as moving the thing. Right, like yeah. Yeah. people still have a little bit of hesitation that, like, oh, design—it's kind of like scary, and there's all these fundamentals, and there's these rules, and I got to learn them. And it, 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 but once you know it, it's really the key differentiator between like something that looks right. okay and something that just seems, and you don't know why it seems. It's like mm-hmm. it's like the matrix. Like all of a sudden, you can see past just like the piece and see all the different elements inside it. And your note about giving, getting more people in the industry. Think about twenty years from now when AR blows up in every object device. Uh, product needs motion, needs needs, motion yeah. on it. Every Dr. Pepper, I got my Dr. Pepper right here. The, oh, the label has to animate if you have AR glasses on. Think about yeah. how many jobs. The thing I'm so excited about, like the weird far out there thing I'm super excited about is when you mix biology and technology together. Like when Apple starts selling contacts or Apple actually has like offices yeah. that you go to get implants and technology is wet works. It's not a thing you hold. It's just you. And then it literally is the world that's an overlay over the world. Like, yeah. then think about how important motion design will be. Yeah. I know it sounds like sci fi, but that's stupid. Think it's about real. all the ads. Happening. Yeah, I all know. The right? ads. You'll be uh, fed every day. Yeah. Uh, uh, someone's got to animate those years, ads. 20 years, <laughs> well, I'm going to be the, a the designer's... camp counselor at Camp Mulgrass. There you go. <laughs> <I'm happy. laughs> Sweet. Well, hopefully, the designers <laughs> learn not to give like 483 layers uh, from an illustrator <laughs> over to oh, you yeah. after. Yeah. They'll never learn that. <laughs> You'll always have to break up those layers into individual Clipping. layers. And then do merging. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, we'll probably wrap it up because we're, we've gone pretty long here. Um, I just wanted to go down the line real quick and uh, make sure that uh, everybody can uh, tell everybody where to follow them, where to find them online, plug something if they'd like, you know, yeah. start with Barton. Sure. Um, on Instagram at Barton Damer, B-A-R-T-O-N-D-A-M-E-R, or at Already Been Chewed. Um, and Instagram is where I'm most active. So you can find me there. Watch his workout videos. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, awesome. Aaron? Okay, well, uh, my personal Instagram is at Aaron Swarovski. <laughs> Very uh, appropriate. And uh, the company also self-titled is uh, at Swarovski underscore design because it's not probably obvious. But we're, we're starting to grow. We just, like, kind of started that last year. <laughs> we're a little late to the, the social media. But... Um, the exciting stuff we have coming up. I'm actually really excited about uh, we're launching a new website <laughs> at the beginning of the year. And it's like uh, like kind of the first intentional move regarding our branding that we've done, you know, where I really took a lot of time and thought about it, who we are. And instead of being reactionary to the kind of work we were getting, being thoughtful about the kind of work we want to get, right? Like. Cool. That's a really big thing for me. But yeah, definitely follow us Rocky Design. And if you want to take my Facebook quizzes, just <laughs> just Aaron Sorowski. About you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm Otternod, pretty much everywhere. O D D E R N O D. And if I would point anything, um, it was in the direct response to the fireside chat and the three big questions yeah. I asked. I would ask like um what did I ask? Are you happy? Are you where you thought you would be when you got started? Mm-hmm. And do you feel like an imposter? 
the reactions to those three questions, um, I convinced School Motion to let me make a free class. That's not too heavy of a plug. Um, but School Motion has a free class called Level Up that um, I spent the next, I think, six to eight months talking to as many people as I could to follow up on the exact fireside chat conversation. So there's uh-huh. talking to a doctor, talking about imposter syndrome, talking about demo reels, talking about creative block, um, where we think the industry might be going. And there's people from all over the industry. I probably did um, probably 12 hours of podcasts in there. That's so um, it, uh, that, that was my big project for the year was to, to follow through on what you guys offered for Camp Milligraph and try to offer up something back to the same value. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I, I do want to say something quick about this camp. Like camp was like the vibe you saw here with us just chatting. What and I made like a little comment somewhere today. It's like instead of green rooms, there was just green grass. Like you just hung out and yeah. everybody talked with everybody, whether it was like the owner of cinema or mm-hmm. me. Like we were all just there together, and you know it was really a truly lovely experience to be in a situation like that where uh, as a speaker I didn't feel like I was being kind of like quarantined away and and also feeling overwhelmed because a lot a lot of speaking engagements there's just like so many people that you just feel like chum in the water and it's like you you're not going to really get to know somebody walking through a crowd, right? Yeah. Well, here you could sit down, you could take 40 minutes, somebody could show you something on their phone, but you could just talk. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. so nice. Yeah. 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 And yeah. It's the one thing that is just great about being outside in general too, right? And just like, especially if you're, you've gone camping, like there's literally nothing else nothing. to do besides just hang out yeah. and like chill. You got no cell service. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it resonated with so many of you and, um, you know, obviously humbled and honored that you guys were all a part of uh, Absolutely. year one. So thank you. Of course. Um, and uh, uh, while we've got the, the moment, we, we do want to give a big shout out to our sponsors of Camp MoGraph. Uh, without them, uh, this wouldn't have been possible. They help make the, uh, the, uh, the price of entry to camp so inexpensive um, and affordable. So a big shout out to our sponsors, uh, Maxon, Video Copilot, Otoy, uh, Minimal Massive, Grayscale Gorilla, AE Scripts, and School of Motion. So big shout out to all of them yeah. uh, for all their support with uh, with Camp MoGraph. And if you want to check out more information, campmograph.com. And <laughs> Martin's getting a little more coffee. Third cup, for man, those of you that might just happen to listen to this in audio, that's coffee. <laughs> I'm just Coffee. saying. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. Water. Yeah. Water. Oh, no. Okay. It's water. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> um, so um, we do have those dates up for 2021. Uh, that is our standing uh-huh. date. That is our reserved date right now. And uh, we've made it a point to tell everybody before you go buying plane tickets and, you know, all yeah. of that. Because we do have some t- some people that were alumni that got tickets already. The actual tickets haven't gone on sale yet. And so mm-hmm. we will be keeping you as up to date on possible before you pull the trigger on everything. We're going to make sure that protocols are in place, that it's safe to do, all of that. So just stay tuned. We'll get all the information to you on that. You can go to the site and you can sign up for updates on that. Also, um, I just wanted to mention as well, if this is the first time you're, you're meeting us here on the interwebs, uh, Matt and I do a weekly stream every Monday. It's our MoGraph podcast. It's on Mondays 
on or at uh, 12 noon Central Time. So check that out. Ding that bell, mash that like and subscribe button like you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, and then, Mark, you got a, a couple things going on as well. You got uh, your new website listed here, and uh, uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, um, it's new. It's a placeholder at, at the moment, but it'll it'll be new come the new year as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, uh, we also do Monday meetings, which are essentially this. It's open discussions and conversations every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Um, and really, it's just an open discussion. Bring your questions. Anyone's welcome. It's a Zoom meeting. Uh, myself and Liam Clisham, who is also a camp director, who also has a newborn. Yeah, so that's I'm, why he's not he's here tonight. Sleeping right he's now. His newborn busy. is much younger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we host oh, it every Monday. Baby. We'd love for you. Yep. Yeah. If you wanted to show up, you know, uh, it, it's a great community to be a part of. And especially nowadays when you want to see people and interact with real people and not just type on your keyboard, it's a great opportunity. So yeah. MondayMeeting.org. Cool. All right. Well, again, we appreciate all y'all being on and taking the two and a half hours out of your your really busy schedules in the middle of the night and whatnot. And uh, we'll be looking forward to to talking to you again soon and seeing you at Camp MoGraph next time. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Well, we're going to get out of here. Till next time, have a good one. Later, yo. See ya. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Rocket.